And now, introducing the inspiration for Brad Pitt's latest film, The Bicurious Case of Glenjamin Glutton, a role in which Pitt plays a quote-unquote confused sports talk radio host who takes to the airwaves to listen to Monday morning quarterbacks try to fix their favorite teams. He'll go for two until his balls are blue. He is Glenn Clark. I'm very nervous about something. Do you, do you know how to spell my name? Yeah. You got one N twice this morning in the run game. Did I really? You, you, you know what it was? I was using talk to text while doing the rundown ah. in the car. All right, so this isn't something that I'm going to go back and no, find. No, my, my, my phone will sometimes do two ends right. and sometimes do right. one end when I do right. talk to them. All right, I was a little nervous. Oh, no, I 100% know how to spell your name. Not a good sign if that's the case. Good morning, it's uh, Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark with two ends. He's Paul Valley with two uh, L's, for what it's worth. We're here. We got uh, plenty of things to discuss, obviously, and I will admit this. I already fixed it. Uh, this is by far the most difficult list of either pats or slaps I've ever attempted to put together. Me too. By far. And I, I, we, I said a week ago it was tough. This week, almost impossible. Like There was a point at which I said, we might just bag the segment this week because I'm struggling that much with trying to figure out who should be on this list. Um, I, I, I honest to God understand. And, and some weeks I beat you guys up. I'm like, you guys aren't, you're not trying hard enough. This week, you might be trying as hard as you possibly can, and the list might still either make no sense, or you might just say you have to cheat, or I might fu- you might just put John Harbaugh on there for the sake of putting him on there, and I'll tell you that you're wrong, and it's just sort of what it is. This is what we're dealing with. That's how tough it is to do slaps to the helmet. But we will get to that at some point this morning. In the meantime, much to do on the program today. Coming up in just a few minutes, Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders. He was tuned in to the Ravens yesterday. We'll get his thoughts. Obviously, uh, we throw out the word analytical, which is a funny thing that we're sort of just lumping in. We're just using that term, analytics. Um, Aaron Schatz has that because he's this is what he's done. It's how he's made his name for himself in the world of media. Has sort of a second-level look at the way things are going. So we will talk to him about some of the decision-making that we've seen from the Baltimore Ravens and from John Harbaugh. We'll talk to him about the difficulty of what it is that they're attempting to do right now with no running back, with uh, limited options all over the place, and and just how truly remarkable it is. Um, you need to fix the thing on the recording because, once again, we for some reason nothing changes and doesn't work. It's amazing how this goes. Truly amazing the way that technology works in our uh, in our room. Nothing at all changes, and yet something that worked stops working. It's just really, it's, it's quite incredible. I'll never understand it, but um, it's, it's just kind of a what-it-is situation. Um, anyway, the moral of the story being, we'll talk to Aaron Schatz about all of that coming up here in just a bit. Also coming up this morning, Chuck Pagano is going to check in with us. Of course, former NFL head coach, former Ravens defensive coordinator. I want to get a coach's perspective on these decisions that John Harbaugh has been making. Everybody's got their opinion. If you want me to be mad at you, uh, be mad about him going for two at the end of the game, sorry. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to be mad about it. It's never going to be the case. I do think, and a lot of people have brought this up, there is plenty of room to debate why it is they went for two there, but not when they scored the first touchdown down by 14. The, the math, the analytics types would tell you that's when you go for two because it gives you two shots at it. Either you get the first one, which if you do, now if you score again, you can win, 
or if you fail on the first one, you get a second crack at it to still force overtime. You're not putting everything, much like a week ago, the Ravens didn't want to pin themselves down to one two-point conversion that could perhaps happen in the final minute of the game where either you're converting and going to overtime or you're failing and losing, and that's the reason why they went for two earlier, and uh, Gary Stein is still screaming about it to this moment. In fact, he literally called me Friday night while I was out with my family. This is a true story. Straight shoot. Gary Stein calls, says, hey, Glenn, you got a minute? And I was like, well, yeah, Gary and I work together in professional ways all the time. I'm like, if you're Gary Stein, 100%. I'm like, well, I'm out with the family, but I'll, I'll, I'll make a minute for you if you need me to. Okay. Dude, I just want to talk more about this two-point conversion thing. Like, it's some people are still caught up on it. The Ravens decide that they don't want to pin everything down to one play a week ago. But yet yesterday, when they score down 14... They choose to go for the extra point and not the two-point conversion and essentially end up pinning everything on one play at the end of the game. So that one, there's absolutely room to me to debate and, and call out John Harbaugh a little bit. In fact, might get back to that. But the two-point conversion decision at the end of the game, not a chance. And this is the dirty, it, the dirty little secret, the part that I don't really want to talk about, but it's the reality of it. It's the part where the two-point conversion really didn't matter all that much. Because with 42 seconds left, the Packers were winning that game. They were winning. Guys, I, it, we're, it's fun to do this. It's fun. And it's fun that the Ravens were in the game. And we didn't expect them to be in the game. And it's, all those things are neat. The Packers were getting the ball back with 42 seconds left in timeouts, and they were winning the football game. The Raiders did it with 37 seconds left and no timeouts the first week against a better defense. There's no way Aaron Rodgers wasn't doing it. I mean, they were winning the game. Plain and simple, in regulation, no matter what happened. If they kick the extra point, if they convert the two-point convert, any of those things, any of those things occur, they're winning the game. And so it's the reason why I can't get as caught up about this as you guys want to. You guys try to make it the story of the week, and that's fine. Make it the story of the week. For me, I can't be all that worked up about it because I know what was happening. The Ravens scored with too much time left. The Packers were winning the game. In a, in a goofy way, the best argument you can make for why it is that they, they should have kicked the extra point instead of going for two is like in hopes that for some reason it would have left the Packers less desperate. That if one thing went wrong, maybe they wouldn't have tried quite as hard to go win the game. It's an absurd thought, but it's the best storyline you can come up with. They weren't, they weren't stopping the Packers. They weren't stopping Aaron Rodgers with 40 seconds. Now, their kicker's not very good, so there is a chance that they would have stupidly played for a 45-yard kick or something like that. Their kicker could have missed. But the truth is they were moving the ball wherever Aaron Rodgers wanted to move the ball in that minute. The Packers are winning that game in regulation. But it was neat and it was fun that the Ravens were in a game that none of us thought they were going to be in. It was, it was a neat story. Tyler Huntley had a, a really a hell of a day. We're overselling it. I talked about this on the Project Game Day postgame show. Appreciate those of you that hung out with us. On the Project Game Day post-game show, it was uh, myself and KZ yesterday. If you missed it, go to Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or go to PressBoxOnline.com slash video, and you can watch the Project Game Day post-game show right there. We do it every game day this season. It's brought to you by Glory Days, Grill, Window Nation, and Underdog Fantasy Football. 
Project Game Day is back this Sunday. I'll be with you at halftime. It's myself and the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, post-game for Project Game Day. Looking forward to hanging out with you then. We talked about this. We are overselling Tyler Huntley for a couple of reasons. First, because unlike last week, we were overselling him a week ago when he wasn't really that good. He was just courageous. This week he was courageous and at times really good. So now it's a conflation of all these things. Unbelievably low expectations. I mean, insanely low expectations that we have for Tyler Huntley that clearly he has surpassed. Unbelievably low expectations for the football game because of the opponent. And so the fact that they were in the football game because of the opponent makes us think higher of the scenario. And because it makes us feel better. It's what we do. It's the guarantee fairy scenario. Your daughter's not missing. We, we want... Yes, the Ravens lost the game, but maybe they stole some draft picks because Tyler Huntley played so well. No. No. Come on, guys. You know better than this. That's not the way the NFL works. Teams don't say, well, man, that guy played really well in one football game. We should throw draft picks after that undrafted free agent quarterback that the Ravens had. I have no problem with revisionist history. If the point that you're making about Tyler Huntley is, hey, maybe somebody should have drafted this guy. Yeah, I mean, maybe they should have. That part is no problem. It's the part where you try to go a step further and make it seem like somehow this is proof that Tyler Huntley is a high-level NFL starting quarterback or that teams should abandon what they're doing at quarterback and try to give up a bunch to get Tyler Huntley. Just stop. Stay within reason. Stay stay within a, a modicum of thought. I like Tyler Huntley, and it's 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 a good thing to have him. I'm going to talk today. I'm going to write at PressBoxOnline.com about where he fits in sort of the pantheon of Ravens' backup quarterbacks of all time. I like Tyler Huntley. I appreciate the fact that he's played, you know, with his heart. He he has done far more than anything anyone could have reasonably expected. But we're not dumb. We know how the NFL works. Teams draft their quarterbacks. They trade for established starters sometimes, but even when they do that, they typically don't give up all that much. I mean, unless we're talking about a somebody's gonna if, if Russell Wilson's really available, somebody's gonna pay a lot for Russell Wilson. Tyler Huntley ain't Russell Wilson. And that doesn't mean I don't like Tyler Huntley or that I'm not appreciative of how well that he's played. It's be reasonable about it. Don't just say things for the sake of saying them or because you want to feel better about yourself. It was fun to watch Tyler Huntley play football yesterday because you didn't have another option. Stop trying to create things. There are the, always going to eternally be the people that will be like, well, and, and I know even my buddy Drew was trying to do this to get people riled up yesterday. Well, really, is it really worth the Ravens paying $40 million to Lamar Jackson when they could just let Tyler Huntley be the quarterback? Any Stop. Stop it. Stop. And again, Drew does a lot of that, just say anything nonsense to get people riled up and to try to get attention on social media. And I don't, that's his thing, and that's plenty of people's things within this business. And I don't, that, that's your right within this business. But stop. Stop it. I get it. We're all frustrated with how Lamar Jackson was playing for five weeks before he got hurt. We're all frustrated by it. And the Ravens internally, as I've said a few times, have to figure that out. 
They have to figure out what's going on with Lamar Jackson against the Blitz. They have to figure out what's happening there. Together, in concert, as a group, they have to work on that together. And it might have some kind of impact on how contract negotiations go. But you guys are just trying to pretend like two weeks before that he wasn't one of the front runners to win MVP this season. You guys are trying to pretend like this is just a quarterback or that quarterbacks are all replaceable or that Tyler Huntley is Lamar Jackson. And if you can't see that in the throwing motion alone, it's because you don't want to. Because you just want to say absurd things. So stop. Like Tyler Huntley, happy for Tyler. I'm going to be happier if he won, but happy that Tyler Huntley is looking like a quarterback. It's the type of thing that could keep him in this league for some time, where a lot of guys don't really get that opportunity. But he's looking like a guy that's going to have a chance to stay in the league. He might be a guy that has a chance to be a Tyrod Taylor at some point, that a team says, yeah, for for a, a minimal price, we'd bring you in and give you the opportunity to compete. Or if in the right situation someone else gets hurt, you could try to prove that you're a starting quarterback somehow. Those are good things. For a guy that went undrafted, that's a remarkable opportunity to say this guy might have a chance to stick around in the league for 8, 10 years, something along those lines. That's incredible. But stop with the nonsense of somebody's going to trade a bunch of picks to make them their start. Stop, 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 stop. We're smarter. We're smarter than that. We're smarter than that. I'd, I'd like to hope we're smarter than that anyway. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house at at Live Casino Hotel in Hanover. The two-point conversion call for for everybody, you know, obviously everybody that wants to bitch and moan and piss about Greg Roman, that was quite the middle finger that he gave you when he managed to put up 30 points with a backup quarterback yesterday. But yet, some of you still want to find some sort of way to bitch and piss and moan about Greg Roman. So, it's the it's not that they went for it on for two, it's the call itself. And admittedly, when I saw it the first time and I was sitting here doing the post-game show with Ken Zalis, I I was I, I, in part, got bullied by KZ and, two, just didn't have enough time to really spend, go back and watch and, and really think through and decipher what happened. To be clear, I don't love the rollout concept on the two-point conversion. I think putting all of your eggs in one basket is a mistake. We talked about that at the end of the Browns game. I thought that was a mistake on that play, putting all of your eggs in one basket on a play instead of giving plays multiple options. I don't think that's a good idea. Now, I don't know the inner workings of how the conversation went. Clearly, they designed the play for Mark Andrews. There's no doubt about it. But it wasn't there. So in the immediacy, after the game, I think it was John from Little Rock who said to me, well, I wish that Tyler Huntley would have himself checked out of that and said, hey, look, Hollywood Brown is standing wide open in the end zone. Maybe I should just throw it to him instead. And the first thing I said is that's a difficult thing to ask for a young, inexperienced quarterback to do. It's hard to expect that an inexperienced quarterback would go to you in the midst of a play say, hey, that thing you guys drew up, I'm going to do something else. But in watching it again, it's kind of inexcusable. 
And it's difficult to beat up Tyler Huntley because Tyler Huntley, again, is so far surpassing. And this isn't even like last week. When last week he wasn't really, on the whole, very good, he just out, you know, surpassed expectations. This week, on the whole, he was very good. So it's really difficult to beat up Tyler Huntley. But that's not a difficult throw to make. It's not difficult to say this isn't there. Maybe I could look at all anywhere else to see if something is there. The design of the rollout is to get you away from pressure. Is to expect that you probably, as you're moving, have another second. Ken was trying to argue me today that, well, you can't make that throw across your body. It's not across his body. It's damn near parallel. Like, it's a little bit behind him. And Hollywood Brown is so wide open that it's not a difficult throw at all to make, even if you're remotely throwing it on the run back the other way. You're not throwing it to traffic. You're not throwing it to someone who's covered. You're throwing it to someone who's wide open. That's a throw that if you're a quarterback at any level, you should be capable of making. The play actually worked. Now, it didn't work to its designed target. That's clear. Mark Andrews was definitely the designed target. There's no debate about that. But the play actually worked. The throw just wasn't made. Instead, it was forced to someone who wasn't available. And all that we want to do to bitch and piss and scream about Greg Roman because we just don't have anything else in us. It's the thing that I do today where I'm like, I don't know who to give a slap to the helmet to. And on a day where the Ravens lose, we just want to have somebody that we want to blame. We, want to, we just want to keep going back to the well somehow, some way. The truth is, not only did Greg Roman have a great day as a whole, even the play you don't like actually worked. You want to debate whether or not they should have been going for it on fourth down with 12 minutes left? You know, I, I'll listen. It certainly put themselves in a difficult spot. That one was the only one that seemed slightly forced. But, and I've talked about this before, sometimes field position, it's like the, the original decision to go for it on fourth and goal. It's an easier decision to make when it's fourth and goal from the three than it is when it's fourth and three from the 22 because of the field position. Because while, yes, your defense stinks and Aaron Rodgers is plenty capable of carving you up for 97 yards, 97 yards is also a long way to go and goofy things can happen in 97 yards. Easier decision to make there when you're expecting the game to be a certain way. And in the same way, oddly, backed up that far, you're a little bit better off getting to your result, whatever it's going to be. It ended up being a field goal, which kept the Ravens in the game. Get to it quickly. They can't suck eight minutes off the clock when you give them the ball that deep. If you punt the ball there, they could put together the type of drive that just kills the clock and you never have an opportunity. But by going for it, even when you failed, they were only going to be able to run so much time off the clock when they got the ball back. These are the other sides of these decisions that even when they don't work, we don't really want to think about. And it all goes into the calculus of how the decisions are made. And it doesn't make them right or wrong. There is this thing we want to do where we want to be right. We think they should have done this so we're right because we want to be right isn't a thing. I mean, it's just not. It's questionable 
I, I, I certainly understand the debate of whether or not the Ravens should be going forward and fourth down from that spot on the field. But ultimately, the Packers getting a field goal quickly, keeping it a two-possession game, was part of what gave the Ravens the opportunity when it was all said and done. So, I don't know. I don't know. It smells to me like maybe, despite the fact that it didn't even work, you could argue it was still the best possible thing. Sometimes they're just decisions. There isn't a right or a wrong. Sometimes it's just a, we'll take our chance. They took a chance there. It didn't work, but... Clockwise, it kept them hanging around. It gave them a shot when it was all said and done. Whereas if they had punted, if they had allowed the Packers to get the ball back on, say, their 30-yard line, I don't know how much time would have come off the clock in 70 yards. In 70 yards, if they were trying to run clock, they might have been able to take eight minutes off of it and still get a field goal or a touchdown and ice the game away. Maybe that proves it was the right decision. Plain and simple. Maybe that's the case. All right. Today's show is also brought to you by Window Nation. Window Nation has a great deal for you, but it's only good through the end of December. I know you got other things on your mind, but you got to be thinking about energy prices going up because it is going to get cold. It started to get cold again this week. It's going to get even colder, and energy prices, energy bills are going up. For December only, you can get 50% off all-style windows and a house of windows for only $99 a month when you call Window Nation today, 866-90-NATION, or visit windownation.com. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, what the Ravens did yesterday, talk a little bit more about some of their aggressiveness joining us now. Always appreciate Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders taking some time for us. Aaron, it's Glenn and Paul here in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you as always, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Hey, as always, thank you for having me on the show. I mean, it's a fascinating time right now because there is so there are so many levels to what's going on with the Baltimore Ravens, and it's so easy for us to say, like, hell, they're playing with half of an NFL roster. Like, th- this is amazing that they're even in some of these games. But, Aaron, I'm, I'm sure you're not surprised. The biggest thing that's jumping out right now to everyone is the aggressiveness and the decision-making, and much sort of like uh, some of the conversation that exists with the Chargers at the moment. Um, there are accusations of John Harbaugh making this sort of like the wild, wild west right now with some of the things that he's doing. What have you made of the way that John Harbaugh has gone about making some decisions in recent weeks, going for two at the end of games, going for two early a week ago in the fourth quarter to make it a, a try to make it a seven-point game. What have you made of the general aggressiveness that you've seen from John Harbaugh? Well, I think you have to differentiate between some of the – not all two-point decisions are made the same. Um, the idea of going for two earlier in the game when you're down by nine, for example, the idea of that is a different explanation. The, the explanation behind that is, that you want to have all the information as early as possible. Yep. You don't want to get to the end of the game and be losing by two and have a two-point conversion and fail. Yep. And you don't get any chance to get the ball back. You would rather fail earlier, and then you know, do I need two possessions in order to win this game? What happened over the two games in the last three weeks 
where he went for two at the end, I think is much less of an analytics decision and much more of a gut decision. Uh, he just felt that his defense was wrecked uh, against the Steelers uh, two weeks ago, right? Marlon Humphrey had gone out, and he felt like he just had no cornerbacks left. And then uh, yesterday, obviously you're playing Aaron Rodgers, and you've had injuries in your secondary, and he just felt like his defense could not hold up, so we're going to try to win the game right here rather than going to overtime. And the funny thing is, analytics actually suggest that yesterday may have been a mistake because the problem is if you go up by one, you give Aaron Rodgers the ball back right. with 40 seconds left and right. a reason to play aggressively, whereas if you tie the game, you give Aaron Rodgers the ball back with 40 seconds left, but a reason to play conservatively. Right. But I don't think these decisions had to do with analytics, the, the end-of-the-game decisions. I think they were gut decisions about the state of the Baltimore Ravens' defense. I, I completely agree, by the way, on, on both accounts with what you said there, Aaron. And I, you know, the other thing, and I know you addressed this on Twitter yesterday, the other element of this entire conversation is if, if there's something to criticize for me – I. It's hard for me to criticize the play at the end of the game because I'm with you. I actually don't think it matters much. I think even if you kick the extra point, the most likely scenario is it's that defense against Aaron Rodgers who's likely to try. And while, yes, you got a three and out the last time, it's because they started running the ball um, and, and, and it, it played right into the one thing the Ravens are still capable of doing defensively. I, I just don't see any world in which the Packers aren't going down and winning the game. But the real question is, why in the world did you not go for two when you were down 14 and scored a touchdown? I, I felt like the entire community of, of the, the – I hate, I hate just throwing out the term analytics because we've kind of made it a, a, a term that just covers so many things that are – it's such a more broad concept. It seems like there is a general consensus that giving yourself two chances, two opportunities, and a backup plan, a la what you were talking about from a week ago, makes a lot more sense than allowing this all to come down to potentially what happens on one two-point conversion in the final minute. Yeah, I mean, the reason why you go for two earlier is so if you get the first two, then all you need is an extra point and you've won the game on the second touchdown. But if you fail the earlier two, then you still have a chance to tie it with another two. So that is the real analytics choice, and that is the surprise, because Harbaugh understands how that works. And from what I gather, nobody asked him that in the postgame press conference. Right. Why did you not go for two after the touch, when you were down eight, after the touchdown that put it down eight, that would have been, that would have been the smarter move. Uh, perhaps he felt like he really only had one two-point play that would work, and he felt he needed to keep it till the end. I still would have used it earlier, but um, you know there are a lot of variables in these decisions, and even analytics people don't believe that you make these decisions based solely on analytics. You have to consider other factors that aren't being considered in the models. And the state of your defense is a factor. And the quarterback on the other side is a factor. Do you feel as though there were two other decisions they went, they, they failed on fourth down during the course of the game yesterday. There was the one where they were backed up in the fourth quarter, fairly deep in their own territory than the one on the first drive of the game where it was fourth and goal from the three. And actually, they'd already converted a fourth down on that drive. Um, they were at fourth and goal from their three, and they failed on both. But I, I, in, in a weird way, Aaron, like even those decisions to me, the field position thing felt relevant both times, right? It felt like, hey, from, from your own three, 
that's actually a I don't know. It's it's a it's a reasonable gamble to take, even if I don't love where they are short yardage at the moment because they don't really have a running back. Um, I, I don't know. It's a reasonable gamble to take to to put yourself or ninety seven yard. If you're gonna have to defend Aaron Rodgers, you'd probably rather defend him on ninety seven yards than you would, you know, sixty or something along those lines. And in the fourth quarter, the the one thing that seemed to be a problem would be giving the Packers the ball back with a chance to go seventy yards and bleed eight minutes off the clock. Like if you're gonna give them the ball back, hell, you might as well give them the ball back at the twenty five and just say. Either we're allowing a field goal or we're not. This is what it's all going to come down to. I, I, it was hard for me to get all that worked up about either of those decisions either. Here's one of the reasons why, especially early in games, you go for it at the goal line. If you fail, you have pinned the other team to the goal line. And you will probably get the ball back in good field position and get another chance to score. Right. And that is exactly what happened. Yep. Huntley gets sacked. Packers get the ball back. Packers go three and out. Ravens get the ball back at the 45 of the Packers because the Packers' special teams suck. <laughs> and, the pa- and the Ravens go down and score the first touchdown of the game. Like, it worked exactly the way it's supposed to. If you fail, the advantage is you've pinned them deep, and it worked for the Ravens yesterday. I, and again, I get it. It's difficult to say, assume that you're going to do that, given what you were working with defensively, but 97 yards is a long way. Goofy things can happen in 97 yards, even if your defense isn't all that good or you're playing with, you know, an, an XFL-level secondary, which the Ravens were yesterday because of everything that they were going through. Um, you, you know, Aaron, we bring up a point, which is that some of these decisions are analytics-based. Some are just sort of based on the, the team as a whole. At some point, it, people will point out, you're not two of eight on two-point conversion tries for the season. And I think a lot of the, the math that we've done over the years about two-point conversions. For example, the 14-point the situation. It's easy to have this conversation because we've said, hey, it's, it's a 50-50 or maybe slightly better proposition that you're going to get a two-point conversion. So if you end up getting two cracks, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get one of them to go. At any point, does your lack of success on two-point conversions, I guess it's the old coin flip thing, right? Like a coin flip is always 50-50, so even if you flip heads 40 straight times, the next time it's still supposed to be 50-50, right? Does that right. does that change at all if you're struggling with two-point conversion attempts? Well, I don't think of two of eight as struggling. Um, if they were 20 of 80, you know, I mean, then, yeah, they're struggling. But, I mean... I feel like that's such a small sample size. Two of eight doesn't tell you very much about what's going to happen on the next two-point conversion. I, You know, I would look more at how they do on third and one and third and two in general, not just at the goal line. And my guess is that in those situations, they're just average. Yeah. In which case, you know, and, and those are that's a larger sample size if you look at that rather than just two-point conversion. So two of eight doesn't worry me. I don't even think zero of eight would worry me. It's just too small a sample size. Okay, that's that's. I mean, that's completely fair. I I think that it more, and you bring up the goal line thing. I, we're talking with Aaron Chance from Football Outsiders. I I had, do have a concern as a whole that you're limited because th- there's just really no threat to run with this football team right now, right? Other well, there than, is for, there is with the with the quarterbacks, right? Yeah, that, and that's fair. The quarterbacks are a threat to run, and and, and that should in, inherently that should give you an advantage, right? Like it should make you more capable in short yardage situations because of the threat to the run from the from the quarterbacks. But it seems like teams have designed defenses to contain 
the quarterbacks because they feel no threat of what the running backs might be doing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think that the running back situation is as bad as we think it is. I mean, the fact is that most research has shown that running backs, there's not that big a difference between running backs. And it's not like the running backs that the Ravens had originally. It wasn't Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. Uh, I definitely think early in the season, you had these guys who just come in and they didn't necessarily know the offense that well, but that's not an issue at this point. They've been there for three and a half months. Uh, the offensive line is an issue, obviously. I mean, I think that the running game is more powered by the offensive line than by the running back. But I wouldn't say that there's no threat of the Ravens running at all. There's still a threat of the Ravens running with running backs as well as quarterbacks. What do you make of the job that uh, – this is a completely different uh, – uh, we're to go- again, as I said at the start, Aaron, this is a goofy conversation to be having because the Ravens played yesterday with, as we pointed out, an XFL-level secondary, a backup quarterback. I mean, they've, they've just been through such an ungodly run, 17 players in IR, all of the COVID issues, the whole thing, and yet here they were. I believe with it. it's called the ringer. Yes, the, there you go. Yes, right. Uh, a a shout-out to Bill Simmons, I guess. Uh, we would call it the ringer. Um, and yet you still ha- – you feel some sort of need to judge what's actually happening. Otherwise, why do I have a job if I'm not, right? Like, you still have to judge the games that are being played. And I feel like a lot of this has been taken out on Greg Roman specifically. I, ironic that you bring up the ringer. Steven Ruiz wrote this piece sort of going after Greg Roman last week for them. And I thought that was more than a bit unfair because it didn't even address all of the injury issues. Um, and, and I don't know. Like, I, I'm in a weird place with Greg our, Roman. Our own, our own Derek. Lassen, who writes our film room column, also wrote a piece a couple weeks ago. Okay, going after I, I don't know how so, I, I don't know how I missed that one. I'm gonna have to go back. I apologize, Aaron. I'll go back and check that out. I, I'm in a weird. So I, I understand the criticisms of Greg Roman for this offense, and more in particular the passing game. That the passing game has stagnated so much because that's the one place they haven't really had injuries, other than the quarterback for the last couple weeks, right? Whatever week eleven, um, the receivers have been healthy they, they didn't have Bateman for the first couple of weeks but right Marquise Brown has been healthy and Mark Andrews has been healthy and um and the and, and the offense the, the pass offense is stagnated right like the improvements we want to see from Lamar Jackson as a passer just haven't happened and I think that both Steven Ruiz and Derek Klassen make good points in their articles for why Greg Roman's offense can be blamed for the stagnation in the off in the passing offense, so I, I you know I think those criticisms are valid. Okay, so let, let me let me let me let me unpack that slightly, if I could, with you, Aaron. Um, I, I think that Greg Roman is always you know this is who he is, right? Like this is there's no, it, it if you hire Greg Roman thinking that you're going to get an elaborate pass offense, probably is not going to be the case. And I think the Ravens at some point are going to have to make a decision about what kind of offense they want to have. I, this is where the running back thing is difficult to me, and I, I, I sort of hear what you're saying, but it's really hard to ignore the numbers. I mean, they don't have a back that's averaged 40 yards a game this season, and they're not, when they even get space to the outside, there's no explosiveness at all with these guys. These guys can't do anything in an open field at this point. Um, I'm really struggling with judging Greg Roman, knowing this is what he does given how impossible it's been for the Ravens to do the things that he does. Um, I, I, and, I, and I think it's two different conversations, because I do think there's a fair conversation about what you want to be as an offense and 
you know, do you want to be a free-flowing, you know, a passing spread maybe, you know, something along those lines. Is that what's best for Lamar Jackson moving forward? But in judging this season and what he's been able to do, Greg Roman runs the ball. It's it's who he is. It's in That's why you hire Greg Roman is to run the ball a billion times, and this team just has not been able to do that this season with the horses they have. I mean, that's valid. They, uh, they are um... – you know, also missing Ronnie Stanley is a big deal. Like, let's let's be honest. No about question, that. right? Um, I mean, they're they're sixth in our ratings running the ball, sixth. But of course, that includes Lamar Jackson on planned run. You know, on planned right. runs, not on scrambles. We count scrambles as pass plays, but on planned runs, that includes Lamar Jackson. So, um, you know, it's a hard it's a hard decision that they're going to have to make after this season. Do they move on from Roman or? Or do they keep him? I would lean because I feel that in general, what they've tried to do by leading with the run rather than the pass is, is interesting. But the fact is across most of the NFL, passing is more efficient than running. And you want to get the passing game working better. And I do think it's, it's about past concepts, what's stagnated and, you need to try to apply some jumper cables to this offense and going in another direction with the offensive coordinator would do that. But I certainly understand the case for keeping Roman that this is not the right year to be judging him by. I understand. Well, right. And I, I, those two things I think are different, Aaron, right? Like I do. And I really do believe there is a conversation to be had about the future of the offense and, and whether or not the Greg Roman, it's just to me about this year and blaming Greg Roman for what's happening this year, which I just think I would it, more blame the injury. Right. Certainly. Like that. I, and that's the only my issue. And I, I got to go back and read um, uh, Derek's piece. I, like the problem I had with Steven's piece was like you, you didn't even reference it. Like you so didn't. Har- Har- Harbaugh's done a great job this year. I oh, mean, if you consider remarkable. the injuries that they've had, Harbaugh right. has done a really great job. Remarkable what they've done. Baltimore fans should be very happy. I, they have one of the five best head coaches in the league, and they've had him for a long time. Uh, it's a real positive. I, I completely agree on all that. Aaron, what can I plug for you, man? You're always so kind to take time for us. Um, I, I I mean, I guess at this point it's probably not the book, um, but there'll be another no, one no. next season. <laughs> <laughs> Although, hey, look, hey, I mean, before the season I predicted a Kansas City-Dallas Super Bowl. Okay, very much in play. Right yeah, very much in play. No question about that, man. Foot- footballoutsiders.com is the website. Check out all the content there. And then FO Plus is our subscription service, and that gets you all kinds of advanced statistics, uh, breakdowns, fantasy football research data, picks against the spread. So you definitely want to check out FO Plus, and you can get a uh, FO Plus, like a, like a test subscription for a couple of weeks to see all the data that we have. So footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe to get to the FO Plus page. At F-O underscore A-Shats is how you follow him on Twitter. Aaron Schatz, really appreciate you taking the time for us, man. Thank you so much for doing it. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon, all right? Always glad to do it. Always glad to be on in Baltimore, my Appreciate you, man. Aaron Schatz joining us here on GCR. Always uh, a very insightful conversation. And, again, that's what I always keep saying to you about Greg Roman when you guys think that I'm trying to defend him. I, I am all up for a conversation that this organization has at the end of the year about what they think the offense should be moving forward, what's best for Lamar Jackson, what's best for their chances of winning the Super Bowl, all of that. I am up for that conversation at the end of the year. Blaming Greg Roman for this? It's insane. It's insane. It's nuts.
but you want to talk about it, I'm all for talking about it. And by the way, I still don't know that there's a correct answer. I don't know that. Y'all want to pretend like there's some expiration date on Greg Roman because you watch some silly Steve Smith video that doesn't even make sense. Like there's some rule that Greg Roman can't do something beyond a certain amount of time. When the truth is that, for example, Colin Kaepernick was far better with Greg Roman than he was without him. When the only there were only two years that Greg Roman had in Buffalo and things never dropped off. This bit where you're doing when you're pretending like there is this track record of Greg Roman being figured out is not a thing. It's you're just throwing that out there for fun because you don't like Greg Roman and because you heard somebody else say it and so you're just regurgitating what someone else says. When you actually go back and look at it, that's not really a thing. But that doesn't mean that I'm opposed to someone saying, we just think we need to go a different direction with our quarterback. It's a bold decision to make when something has worked well to say, let's do something drastically different instead and just see if that might work too. But I get it. Sometimes you have to do that in the NFL. Or sometimes you're inclined to do that in the NFL. I don't know what the correct answer is. You guys are obviously quite convinced that you know. You don't, but you're quite convinced that you do. I don't know what the correct answer is. I understand Aaron Schatz's thought that, like, this is the nature of the NFL. You know, the pass is more valuable than the run, all of the... Like, I understand the thought process to that. I get what you think you're saying when you say that. But we felt that way three years ago, and the Ravens upended the league. If they, had their, if they had their bodies, if they had an offensive line, if they had their running backs, I don't know. Now, again, the offensive line largely held up yesterday, which is remarkable considering something called a David Sharp was playing. But as a whole, this season, the offensive line has not held up. One game does not a season make. I don't know what it would look like if the Ravens were able to actually run what they intended to run. I don't know. I still know they have the sixth best offense in the NFL. I mean, the scoring offense is a little bit further than. I think they're in the, the 14, 15 range of scoring offense. But they have the number six most productive offense in the NFL. That's the guy you fire? Despite the fact that you don't have any players, despite the fact that you don't have any running backs and you didn't have an offensive line, you, that you're, you're firing a guy over that? I mean, come on. I don't know. But again, I'm open to the conversation at the end of the year. Blaming Greg Roman for this is just brainless. It's just devoid of thought. It's, I've decided that I've got a narrative, and that's the narrative that I'm going to go with, plain and simple. That's, that's all it is. It doesn't, anything that fits my narrative, I'm going to toss it out there. Anything that doesn't, I'm going to ignore. Today's show also brought to you, or you know what, just a quick reminder, if you have been planning on joining us tomorrow night for the Tyus Bowser show and you haven't heard yet, I'm so sorry, there will not be a Tyus Bowser show tomorrow night. It should not be very difficult for you to figure out why that is. Unfortunately, um, NFL teams have been put back into last year's sort of protocols related to COVID, and that means no events, it means no public appearances, all of those things. But for now, we're just saying the show is postponed, and there's two reasons for that. The first is because, you know, we can hope 
that protocols change. The second is there might be a unique way when the season ends to maybe try to pull off the show again. So we're not we're not saying it's over. We're just saying it's paused for the moment because of unfortunately rising numbers and the NFL changing their policies. So we're still hopeful to do another Tyus Bowser show. Uh, we've been loving them all season long. Brought to you by my bookie. Brought to you by Great Eights Memorabilia Press Box. Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com, and we're still hopeful that we will have one more for you uh, here before we uh, get to the offseason. Whatever that looks like, we're going to work on it for another Tyus Bowser show. Still to come this morning, Chuck Pagano is going to join us. we got to try to do slaps at some point. Uh, Jeremy Kahn's going to check in. Still a lot to do. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. What's up, everybody? This is Tyus Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Tyus Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressboxOnline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.com. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Provia windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. Hey, it's KZ. The Pressbox Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 1130. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year, DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Pressbox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Back in here on GCR as we continue on a Monday edition of the program. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Uh, obviously, we're not nearly through uh, picks yet for the weekend because uh, there's three, there's actually four more NFL games to be played, three of which we included in our picks for the week. So 
Uh, do me a favor, bring down that MixLR uh, level, Paul, if you don't mind. It's uh, it's registering it. Uh, it's, it. Apologies. We've we've been dealing with a bunch of different things, um, but uh, we're trying to get them all sorted out. We got some new technology we're going to be implementing this week here on the show. Looking forward to doing that. Um, trying to get some things fixed. Hopefully, we'll be in a better place when we get the next week. Um, but it's what it is. Not nothing we can do about it. I hope. Well, there are things we can do about it. We're just trying to implement them as we go along. So, um, anyway, the moral of the story is we still have the the Cleveland game, the Philly game, and the the Seattle Rams game that we're going to be picking or that involved in our picks. So we can't do a full picks recap. And I know it's also screwing some people up fantasy wise. They're trying to get their answers. It sucks. It sucks. We talked about it on a Friday. It sucks that the NFL has to move games around. It's a real bummer. At the moment, everybody's either three and two or two and three. I don't know who's keeping track of this and the or sorry, everybody's either two and four or three and three. I don't know who's keeping track in our back end. Whoever's in charge of keeping track of scores, it's not you, Paul. It's whoever's in charge of the back end. Uh, you guys are way off this week. I don't know what's happening. Nobody has more than three wins. Kyle does not is not four and one. So I don't know what's going on and, and who's updating. It's either Stecker or Proctor. I'm not sure which one of them it is. but um, I think it's Stecker, isn't it? Well, it could be either one of them. Oh. It could be either one of them. Uh, whoever it is, just it's a, a bit of a, a clunker in our, my back end this week. But ha, I guess that, that, that's probably not a clip that I want pulled <laughs> later on. Jeez. Pause. Um, the moral of the story is that right now, Kyle has tied me at the top of the table because... He was on Kansas City, and I was on the Chargers, and I already went through it. It's, it's just shameful. That game went to overtime. It should have stopped right there. I, I should have gotten that cover. Uh, but uh, we picked both. Uh, we picked all three. No, we picked both the, the Philly-Washington game and the Seattle Rams game uh, differently. So a lot to happen tomorrow night that could change the top of the table. The bottom of the table is even further apart. Steck is just its a disaster. He's definitely going to lose our competition as far as picks are concerned. Uh, a few thoughts from Dave. Dave gets in and says, Glenn, your conversation about Greg Roman is probably the most appropriate one. I admit that I am someone who does not like Greg Roman, and you're probably right that I would have said two years ago that I thought he could walk on water. I just don't think this can continue to work forever. Okay, maybe. Maybe. I don't know that, but this is the point that I'm trying to make. You're judging that based on what you've seen this year. Which is nuts. No judgment of Greg Roman should have anything to do with what's happened this season. Pretending like this season. Which, by the way, the Ravens are still one of the best offenses in the NFL. Despite everything. Has anything to do with Greg Roman is the wackiest of wacky bits. It, it makes no sense. It's bonkers it's bat s it's one of the craziest things that i've ever heard but i'll I'll keep saying it what i'm also not telling you is that i know with certainty that the greg roman offense is the best thing for lamar jackson and the best chances for the ravens to win a super bowl in the next three years i don't know that i don't know that at all no one does all i can tell you is that judging greg roman on this season proves that you're an idiot because you are unwilling to actually have the conversation. You've just decided you've got the answer. You didn't bother to do the math. 
You're not solving the problem. That the point that I made about Stephen Ruiz's piece, he didn't sit down and say, let's write, let's try to figure out what's going on with the Ravens' offense. All he did was say, I don't like Greg Roman. I'm going to try to write something that shows why I don't like Greg Roman or why I think this is all Greg Roman's fault. Sit down, dissect, try to figure out what's happened with the Ravens' offense. It's probably going to start with the litany of injuries. Aaron Schatz saying, well, this is supposed to be the NFL where all running backs are interchangeable. Guys, we're watching the games. And by the way, I get it. Latavius Murray actually had some nice runs yesterday. Yesterday, specifically with Latavius Murray, wouldn't be what you would use in having this conversation because Latavius Murray actually looked function on a few runs yesterday. But we know... We have watched this long enough this season that we cannot pretend like these are the same running backs that they would have had in J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. The bit where we just say all NFL running backs are interchangeable, I, I understand why we say that. I understand the point that we think we're making when we're saying that. But we've been watching with our eyes. These guys have not been interchangeable. Now, maybe that leads you to a question of why is it that they're interchangeable in other places, but they haven't been interchangeable here? Why is it that other teams have been able to be highly productive with scrap heap guys? The NFL yesterday was basically nothing but scrap heap guys. Detroit succeeding with something called a Craig Reynolds. Houston's running the ball with scrap heap guys. Why is it that other teams have been able to make scrap heap guys work to have a functional run offense, and the Ravens haven't. That might be a question. I might be willing to listen to that as a relevant question to some extent. But with my own eyes, I can see that part of the problem is there's no burst. Again, with the exception of a a couple of runs yesterday where all of a sudden it looked like there might be. But for the total of the season, you can tell there's not a burst with these guys. None. Does not exist. And I don't know, believe it or not, I didn't find myself glued to the TV during the Lions-Cardinals game yesterday. I was not watching every run. Maybe Craig Reynolds has a burst. I'm going to guess he does. I wish I could. I can't tell you anything at all about Craig. Who could possibly say anything? I don't know who he is other than the guy that's running for 100 yards in Detroit. So I don't... Having this conversation requires an amount of, we need to dive in on this. And from everything we've seen, to suggest that their inability to run the football this year is the fault of Greg Roman is, at best, a reach. If you judge Greg Roman, this should not be the season to which you judge him. I, but I get it. This is what we're going to keep doing. We're going to continue to do it forever. I mean, every day we're going to come on here and there's going to be somebody else screaming about Greg Roman. I, it's, it's the nature of how this works. It's the nature of the beast. From Evan. Evan says... Glenn, hard to be frustrated by anything that we saw yesterday because the Ravens played so much better than I could have expected. The only complaint that I have at all about yesterday's game is that it felt like they never believed they actually had a chance. 
You referenced the decision to go for it on fourth down early. I thought that was John Harbaugh's way of saying either we're getting this or we're not winning. I felt like that was a difficult thing for him to do. I mean, I don't... Evan, I, I understand what you're trying to say. It's not actually what he's saying when he goes for it there. I, I meant I brought this up. The wording that he used for describing why he went for two at the end of the game was really interesting because it's the type of thing that you normally don't hear a coach say because normally they want to... It, it was something along the lines of um, we, we didn't really like our chances. There was something that he said that was more negative towards the defense... Or the only realistic way to... i got to pull that up. I'll try to pull up with what it was. Um, but it was it was a bit more than I've expected a coach to say in those situations. Um, I, I don't think anyone on this team... It's the same thing that I said when I was fighting with these guys on Friday. This, this bit where you pretend like a... If you're deciding to do this, it means you don't believe in us and we're just going to quit. Or if we're down by a certain amount, then you know we don't think we can win. It's high school S, man. If you think when Tyus Bowser and Patrick Queen and Adafi Owe and Justin Houston took the field after the Ravens went for it on fourth and goal from the three, what they were saying to themselves was, the coach doesn't think we can win. So, you know, F it, we can't win. You, I, I, I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to help you if you believe that those types of things translate to NFL football players, that you make it to this level, but you're so mentally fragile that the difference in whether or not you're going to be able to do your job is whatever a coach's decision was on fourth and goal or when they went for two in the fourth quarter. If you think these players are that mentally fragile, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. If they are that mentally fragile, then it doesn't matter what happens. They're so mentally fragile they can't handle being in the NFL. It's no different whether they went for it or kicked the field goal. If they're that mentally fragile, they're affected by it, they're going to be that mentally fragile even if you kick a field goal right there. It's the reality of it. We, 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 we think about these things because we compare it to like our experiences as fans. That we're shook by it. So they should be shook by it too. And it's just not real. These are NFL players. Not the guys that were in the secondary. Those guys aren't actually NFL players. Which is the bigger problem. The guys that I'm talking about, the Tyus Bowsers, the Patrick Queens, those are NFL players. And whatever the coach did, whatever the decision was, is going to have very little bearing on them going back out on the field and trying to play football. Almost none. They might think of it for a split second, and it's over. Then they're back out there doing their job. They're not like us. We get rattled by that crap. We get rattled by, you left three points on the board you could have had. We get rattled by, well... You didn't you didn't get it and now it was a two point or a two possession game. We get rattled by that because we're emotionally fragile. These are guys that are getting paid an awful lot of money to do their job. Their job. In the same way that I believe that I'm capable of doing my job, and when we have 
technical difficulties here. We just move forward. I don't ball up and say, well, I can't do this. The computer didn't work the way I expected it to work, so I, sorry, I can't do this. That's not a thing. If that's who you are, I mean, you, you probably aren't very successful at your job, if I had to guess. I'm going to guess that you're, you, people talk about you behind your back at the office, if that's who you are. But these are professional football players. These are NFL football players. The, the notion that they are this shook by a decision that a coach made to go for it on fourth down, that it impacts them that way? Come on. Make, make sure you hit mute when you pick up the phone. On your mic. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not going to shake me. I'm going to continue to do my job. I'm going to be okay. And so are these guys. They're football players, man. That's what they do. Our number one of today's show is in the books. It has also been brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Man, I love being out of Glory Days Grill last week. Glory Days Grill's got that seasonal menu with the comfort food classics that you love, including the short rib grilled cheese. Also, the center cut sirloin with grilled shrimp. The char-grilled pork tenderloin, the house-made meatloaf, and the grilled meatloaf sandwich, the smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, the Brussels and bacon appetizer, and more. They all pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or the anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. Get the Glory Days Grill right now in order to try them out. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. I want to talk more about some of these decisions. I want to talk about um, the aggressiveness that we've seen, not just from John Harbaugh, but also, obviously, uh, Brandon Staley is, is chief among them. Joining us now, one of my favorite people, former Ravens defensive coordinator, a uh, man who was an NFL head coach and who single-handedly kicked cancer's ass. It's always a thrill to welcome our friend Chuck Pagano back to the program. Coach, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Hope you, your family, are doing well out west. Thank you, as always, for taking the time for us. Hey, great to talk with you guys. Thanks for having me. All, all good out west. A little cold, got a little snow on the ground. Not too bad, though. I mean, it, it seems like a decent way to spend your time these days, Coach, to hang out that way and have the family out there with you, man. It's uh that's a, it's a pretty good life. I hope that at some point in my life, I don't know, I'm probably stuck here, but I hope that at some point I can have something like that the way that you got it there. Coach, I, uh, wish, this, I wish this for, for everybody. That's We're awesome. living uh, a really cool, blessed life right now. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Coach, you know, a lot of stuff I wanted to, to run by you and get your thoughts on. But in general, I, the idea, I don't, I don't know how much you're paying attention uh, week in and week out to what teams like the Ravens are doing. And I know I just mentioned the Chargers were lumping in there. We're really seeing a new level of aggressiveness from from certain coaches, and specifically John Harbaugh, who you know has has done it a little bit more in recent years with Lamar Jackson going for it and fourth down a bit more often. But you know now we're seeing twice in three weeks with the game on the line and a chance to go to overtime, he's decided instead to to let the game sort of come down to whether or not they can convert a two point conversion. Um, we're seeing a lot more situations where he's going for it on fourth down. What have you made of? The, the the general change that you've seen, not just with the Ravens, but throughout the league in terms of aggressive play calling and decision making from coaches. Yeah, um, I think, you know, when you look at the Ravens and, and Coach Harbaugh, I don't know that anybody um, probably allocates 
you know, more time and resources to analytics. You know, they're probably at the top of the list right now, you could say. Um, you know, certainly Brandon Staley, you know, out at the Chargers. Um, and overall, everybody, like you're saying, is, is, is being, you know, way more aggressive and they're depending uh, a great deal on analytics. I'm still a little bit, you know, old school, um, if you will. Uh, you know, we, we employed a company called CAI, Championship Analytics Incorporated, and they helped us uh, with these decisions and they would build us a book uh, week in and week out. They did a phenomenal job. And I know everybody has a guy up in the box and they have, you know, the, the numbers and, and they talk to Coach Harbaugh and this, that, and the other about these situations. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a trend. I mean, it's where the, where the league's going. Um, obviously, uh, I know as a defensive coach, you're always scared to death uh, that people are going to go for it on fourth down. Like, as a defensive coach, you've got to get ready, especially if you're playing, you know, uh, the Ravens or you're playing the Chargers, two teams that we're talking about. Um, you know, your fourth down menu, fourth down calls, or your short yardage calls, your third and one and fourth and one, uh, fourth and two, fourth and three, for that matter, you got a bigger box, you know, on your play call uh, sheet. Uh, you know, you have to be prepared and, and practice that more and have, have more calls because people obviously are, are going for it more in those situations. But, yeah, I don't I, – I love the aggressive nature of it. Um, you know, Monday morning quarterback for, for all of us is, right. is so much easier, obviously, to sit back and say, well, you know, should have done this, you know, when it doesn't work. And, and then we're, you know, all plotting, you know, when it does work. But, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's certainly a little bit different, and I think your gut has to come into play in the, how the game is, is sure. going and who the opposing quarter. I mean, I don't I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers, you know, with that ball uh, in his hands with forty plus. I think they had forty plus seconds, yep. you know, left uh, on the clock. I don't know if they had timeouts remaining. I don't believe they did. Uh, maybe you know that, but whether he has a timeout they, or not. They, they did have at least one. I'm trying to remember how many it was. They did have – it yeah, might have one, one. Yeah. You're still scared to death the way he's playing, uh, not only, you know, in that game, but throughout the season, and it's Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, you never want to give him and, – and you look at, you know, John's team and uh, what they've overcome, uh, even have eight wins with all the injuries and the losses that they had at the beginning of the season and continue to have during the season – you look at all those things, and, and those all factor into your decisions. He is Chuck Pagano. He's with us here on, on Glenn Clark Radio. Chuck, I want to take into something. We were just talking about this a second ago. What, what does it look like? I, and I'm going to start with an end-of-game scenario because the, the you know the one thing that's really nice about the Ravens organization is you never see or you rarely see finger-pointing or blaming, and everybody tends to be on the same page, and it's a real testament, as, as you know, to John Harbaugh and the culture that he's created here. But – what, what is it really like when, when you make an aggressive decision and the game, you know, maybe it comes up short, is there more of that that we don't see within the locker room? Like, is there more of guys that have their opinion and their mag is they think that you're saying you can't do their your job or that, you know, you, they didn't get a chance to go do their job? Is there more of that that exists than we see publicly? Is there more dissent when there is a, a bold decision like this that happens that a game, people would argue a game is decided by. Yeah. You know, maybe in some organizations, I don't think so. Um, to all the points you made to your point about the Ravens and the organization and the culture, you know, that has been uh, built there and uh, for a long, long time, obviously, um, you know, these decisions and scenarios, you know, John and those guys do a great job, you know, with situational football. 
And all these decisions have been talked about and practiced over and over and over again, long before uh, it comes up, you know, in the fourth quarter against the Packers last night. You know what I mean? So they have all talked about these situations. And he's like, with his leaders on that football team and with the offense, with the coaching staff and everybody, they're all on the same page so that you don't have that once the game's over and it didn't work out and you walk in. Yeah, sure, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, you know, and all that. And it's easy to, again, listen to all the pundits, you know, on Monday morning, this, that, and the other, talk about these things. But, you know, they have rehearsed and, and talked about those situations over and over and over and over again so that, you know, when it comes up, you know, everybody's on board. And John trusts, you know, his, his players. He trusts his coaches. And, you know, they, they pre- I know, you know, Huntley had all the, all the reps this week, and he's, he's a dynamic uh, young quarterback, you know, and, and, a, and a really good player. And I know they practice that play over and over and over again, and it makes sense to get it to your, to your number one guy, you know, and isolate, you know, try to get one-on-one coverage, you know, with the DB there on Mark. Um, you know, and the, and the throw is just a little bit off. You know, if he throws to that front pylon and it's not behind, you know, Mark, you know, we're probably not having this discussion. You guys probably don't even, you know, wake me up early. <laughs> and we're, and we're, we're on the phone, you know, talking about this. So, yeah, again, you're going to have, you know, guys are going to talk. They're, they're really smart um, football players, and they get, they get it. They understand football, you know, the coaches and players in that building. But, again, I don't, I don't think it happens there because these things are, you know, talked about well in advance. Yeah, I understand. I understand everything that you're saying. And I, and also, it's, I also struggle uh, check with the idea that if people bring up um, – I got I had a, a, a listener who said, well, they went for it on fourth and goal from their own three-yard line at, at the beginning of the game, and that's their way of saying to the defense, we don't believe that you can, you can do anything today. We have to score a touchdown here or we're going to lose. And I just – I don't buy into that impact. I don't buy that there are players that are standing on the sideline that are saying to themselves, "Well, my coach doesn't think we can win today, so now we're not gonna. Now we're not gonna try." Or I just I think it's such an absurd. I, I I my gut is that our emotions as fans, we we think that that is reflected in in football players, and you guys these guys that are doing their jobs, like it's just not the reality of those circumstances in those moments. Yeah, I don't disagree, you know, with you uh, on that. And, and again, um, you know, those, there's not one guy, you know, on that defensive side, not one coach and not one player that, you know, if, if asked the question, would stand up and say, yeah, hell yeah, go for it. Because, you know, we don't want to go see Aaron Rodgers right. you know, with 40 right. seconds left. We're no, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to say, of course they're going to say, hey, look, if, if, if called upon, you know, and if we decide to go the other way and kick this thing, and they got one more possession, we're going to certainly go out and, and, and get a stop. You know, whether they do or not, that's, that's got to be your mindset. So, um, yeah, again, I think it just goes back to, you know, their culture, uh, the way they communicate, you know, the way they have these discussions, you know, long before it ever happens. So you're just not flying by the seat of your pants, you know, and making these decisions, and, and you get everybody on board. But, but yeah, no, that, that's, that's legitimate. He is Chuck Pagano. He is with us here on uh, Glenn Clark Radio. Chuck as a whole, the, the, where the Ravens are at 8-6, and six, and I get it, they've lost three straight games. They've lost three straight games in insane circumstances. I mean, they were, they've were been ravaged by injury. This is not, hey, every team deals with injuries. This is insane. This is 20 guys that we're talking about. Then they have a COVID outbreak on top of it. 
Um, and yet they've lost these last three games by a total of four points. And they're all against, you know, teams that are either going to be in the playoffs or are competing for playoff spots. What do you, what's your thumbnail of the job that John Harbaugh has done as a whole this season, given everything that this franchise has had to deal with? Yeah, I think it's remarkable because if, if, you know, if you go back and you say, okay, you know, in preseason when they lost the top two running backs, you know, you lose Marcus Peters, everything that you just talked about and to say, okay, hey, going into, you know, week, week 16, I think we're coming up on, you know, you're going into week 16. These guys are, you know, um, I haven't looked at the standing, but I think they're all, they're, you know, half game up. Or they're, yeah, they're still they're tied still, for first place. Yeah. They're tied for first place. Yep. And, um, you know, I don't think anybody would have said, hell, you know, there's no way they should be sitting there, but they are, you know, and if you look at these last three losses and four points, you know, look at, if you pull out, you know, uh, you look at the first eight, you know, the eight wins and how they won those games, you know, the way that team come came back and, and beat the Colts, you know, and then weeks earlier, it seemed like, you know, they were having to come back in every single game and win, you know, late in the, late in the fourth quarter, getting walk off field goal, uh, at Detroit, right? Tucker hitting, uh, was at a 66 yarder. If I remember yep. right. Yep. You know, to, to win that, to win that game. So, um, no, I, I just think, you know, it's a testament to, to John, um, that entire organization, the way they're aligned, uh, those, that coaching staff, you know, cause I mean, it would have been real easy. Like everybody's talking about that, you know, going into this game last night, nobody gave them a chance yep. against Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, you know, and, and the Packers, you know, so to be sitting there with a chance to, you know, get a walk off home run, so to speak you know, and win that game, again, it's a testament to, to John, the culture that he's built, the mindset of that organization. I, I mean, that, I mean, that's how it was from day one when I was fortunate enough to join John, you know, in 2008 as the secondary coach there. And that, that mindset, um, the physical brand of play, you know, we'll, we'll line up against anybody, anywhere, at any time you know, in the parking lot, wherever you want, you know, and it doesn't matter, you know, who's not available. It's always been the next man up and they build and instill this belief in everybody in that locker room and every player that they're going to go out and be successful and get the job done when called on. Does it, does it, do the results matter at some point? Like, is, is there a point at which, again, because I agree with everything you said, and I think it's incredible that they were even in that game yesterday, but at some point you are still a team that's lost three straight games and, you know, you've gone from being the top seed in the AFC to sort of being on the outside looking in at the moment as far as the playoff picture is concerned. Does that become an issue internally at any point? Do, do guys start feeling any of that where even if we all know reasonably they're still playing better than could be expected, does that become an issue at some point when just the results aren't going your way? The final score shows you with one point less than the other team. You know, maybe not until, you know, they're out of, you know, playoff contention. Okay. You know, but sitting here, you know, eight wins and you still, you know, half game up. you got a big road game, division game against the Bengals coming up, you know, this week. You know, until, you know, we see um, this whole journey, this whole season and see what the final record is and whether they make the playoffs or not make the playoffs. You know, that discussion, you know, you know, doesn't need to be talked about. I mean, people are going to talk about it. Uh, we all know, John knows, 
you know, when you sign up for these jobs, it's a bottom line business. And, you know, if you win, you stay, you keep your job. And if, if you don't, you know, and a player is a player, if you don't, uh, if you're not productive and you don't produce, you, they move on from you. So it's, it's really simple, you know, when it, when it comes to that, but until we, you know, reach that point, you know, and, you know, if they continue to lose, which I don't think they're going to, and they don't, you know, they can't, you know, make the playoffs, whatever, uh, you know, then you can have, you know, whatever conversation sure. you, you want to have, but certainly there, they, nobody blocks out the noise and all that stuff better than, than coach Harbaugh and, and, the, and the Ravens. All right. Before I let you go, do you have any idea, like, are you as surprised as we were about how Lamar Jackson was struggling before yeah, obviously he got hurt? how much he was struggling against the blitz and, and the zero coverage thing, particularly when we see that, you know, a week ago Tyler Huntley looked pretty good against it, right? Like, were, were you as surprised by that? And are you at all concerned about Lamar Jackson as a whole because of that? It just it really was quite alarming how difficult things were going for him when he was seeing so much of the cover zero. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, the tape, the tape doesn't lie, right? And so – and people in Miami, you know, if I remember right, you know, the game plan that they had, you know, rewatching that game. I mean, they basically played three or four different calls the entire uh, game, but most of it was seven, eight guys up at the line of scrimmage, right, and all out, you know, zero pressure. And and regardless who you are and how many years you've been in the league, they make it very, very difficult on a quarterback, you know, and an offensive unit to execute. And so people see that, and, and it's a copycat league. So you know, okay, look, they went. Zero might not be, you know, who we are. It might not be our identity, but we're going to steal some things and, and throw these things at them and see, you know, they're going to keep doing it until you fix it, you know. So um, I have no, you know, concerns, you know, about Lamar, you know, moving forward. It's something that, you know, they got to figure out, you know, as an offense and, and he'll get he'll get better at. But he's a dynamic, dynamic, you know, football player and, and – uh, you know, just because, you know, Huntley goes in and, you, you know, he goes in and makes some great throws and some great plays, this, that, and the other, it's obviously going to, everybody's going to start the, right, the narrative right. and the discussion about, oh, man, do, yeah. you know, is, is Lamar the, the Not I. Thing? Yeah. You, I know, think, yeah. you know, answer here or, or now we got this guy that looks really good, blah, 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 you know, on the roster and we don't want to lose him and do we pay all that money? Yeah, you do because, you know, Lamar's a generational, you know, once-in-a-lifetime type quarterback to me. You know, uh, you know, and I and I know that's you know probably how they feel about him, and a lot of people feel about him. We we agree wholeheartedly when it comes to that, Coach. That's there is no debate whatsoever, and I'm not going to be that guy making that uh, absurd claim. Uh, I think I've asked you this question literally every time I've ever talked to you, and you've never the answer has always been no. But I'm going to ask it again. Is there anything I can plug for you, Chuck Pagano? Any what? Anything I can plug for you? Anything you got going on? Anything? media appearances, anything like that that I can plug for you? Just, uh, you know, the Chuck Strong sure. you know, Gala, the foundation, the, you know, the, the money that we're trying to raise, you know, uh, there in Indianapolis at the Simon, you know, Comprehensive Can- Cancer Center there in Indianapolis. You know, we just, you know, we're, we're very, very close. We're like two or $3,000 shy of, of 10 million uh, total raised over the, over the uh, period of time where we started, you know, that gala there in, in Indy, you know, and, uh, you know, really, uh, it's just, it's just awesome because, you know, research, you know, saved my life, you know, the form of, uh, leukemia that I had, 
you know, 20, 30 years ago had a 50% survival rate. And because of research, you know, when I was diagnosed, it was in the low 90s. So I was very, very lucky. And not everybody's that lucky. So research, you know, saves lives. And every penny that uh, that is that is raised goes directly to cancer research there. So anytime you want to, you know, talk about anything, just maybe talk about, That's awesome. you know, the Chuck Strong stuff and, yep. and, and the, the movement there in Indy that continues. And, and uh, we'll be forever connected to those people there and, and that, that, uh, that hospital, that cancer center. So that'd be awesome. That's incredible. And, and, and no question, it's an inspiring thing. $10 million is amazing coach. That's just an amazing number and the work you guys have done. That's truly incredible. Um, and, and, and yes, anything we can do to show support for that, we're happy to do it. Coach, always appreciate you taking the time for us, man. Uh, a very Merry Christmas to you, to your family. Enjoy it. Be well. Would love to catch up with you here in a couple of weeks again. Thank you for taking the time for us. Same to you guys. Take care. Thank you. Coach Chuck Pagano, one of my favorites, getting up early with us out the, in the western portion of the country. Appreciate him taking the time for us here on GCR. Today's show also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. If you're not playing underdog, I don't know what you're doing with your life. It's been, a, you know, yesterday I mentioned it was a weird week, right? It was just a week in which guys, it was a weird week everywhere. I mean, it was a good week to play like Mark Andrews in fantasy. Like, if you had him, you probably felt pretty good about yourself. You going against him? Uh, no, I had him. Oh? But the guy that I went against had... Jonathan Taylor, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes. I was down. Okay, I, I mean, Mahomes. Are, yeah, Taylor didn't go off. Like, by his standards, Taylor had kind of a pedestrian he had, day. He, right? he had 33 points in my, in my league. Because in my league. scoring there? In, in my league, for some reason, you get points for a 40 yard touchdown and a 50 yard oh, touchdown. Well, so that's, that, a, that's, that's a different 60, bit. Yeah. That 63 yard touchdown was like a 20 point. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a, for him. It's standard league, it was, or even a PPR, I think it was like 23 or something. It wasn't. Again, a good day for most people, but by Jonathan Taylor's standards, it was actually kind was, of a down week. I was by midnight on Saturday, or we'll say 11, 11.30 on Saturday night. I was down one hundred and seventeen to five. Well, that's 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 tough. And scene, so man. even it's even with scene. Mark Andrews, I mean, I had I had Kamara, I had Chase Claypool, who Ken Zales told me to start because he was his number two wide receiver. He had one catch for twelve yep. yards. It was that week. That's for one more catch than Julio Jones had, for what yeah. it's worth. One yeah. more catch than Julio Jones had for me in the uh, the Titans game yesterday. Anyway, the moral of the story is, it's that's there are going to be weeks like that. That's the way it's going to go in the playoffs. <laughs> they're they're going to well this for underdog Sam. We're talking about underdog. It's not really a. It, there are going to be weeks like that, but then you get back up on the horse and next week. You play again. You put some parlays together. Play your player props. Even though we can bet now in Maryland, you can't bet on your phone just yet, but you can. When you're using Underdog Fantasy Football, underdogfantasy.com is the website. Of course, you can download the app and start playing tonight. There are two games. You can play a bunch of player props from those two games if you want, and we'll match up to $100. When you make your first deposit, um, you'll get up to $100 match when you use the code PRESSBOX with free money for you to play with at Underdog Fantasy Football. We come back in. Oh, you know what? We'll have to, I guess we'll talk to Jeremy, then we'll do slap. we got to do slaps. I don't want to do Maybe we can do a quick version of Slaps, because I don't love Slaps today. Yeah. It's just not a good it one. Was, of them. It was hard. We'll talk to Jeremy Kahn after that. It's Glenn Clark Radio.
The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Bird, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. <laughs> I've driven my tractor trailer millions of miles and I've seen it all. The next time you change lanes when driving, remember because of the sheer weight and size of my truck, I'm not able to stop quickly if you cut me off and brake suddenly. One wrong decision could change our lives forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer to day we can't imagine why you'd want to but you can watch gcr live it's at facebook.com slash sports and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants you know we were just talking about fantasy football so a reminder that the press box fantasy football show returns this thursday at 11 30 a.m kz will be here it's all brought to you by ccbc glory days grill in the maryland department of transportation we'll see you thursday morning at 11 30 a.m for the press box fantasy football show all right. Um, I guess let's just quickly do slice. It's just a crap. It's a crap week. Oh, you know what? We got to take two more breaks. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk to Jeremy. We'll take another break. We'll do slaps and we'll take our final break. That's the way that it'll go. So actually, see if you can call Jeremy a couple minutes early and and squeeze him in if if possible. If he can't, he can't. It's just it's on us. It's what it is. We'll try to work around it. Um, from Chris. Chris says, Glenn, can you explain the playoff tiebreaker scenario right now? In the NFL, I feel like I'm confused because shouldn't the Ravens have the tiebreaker over the Chargers? I mean, the best, the first thing I could say is, get get, don't worry about it right now. It's not relevant today. But 
you got to remember that three team tiebreakers are different than that than two team tiebreakers. You got to remember. You got to remember turn. Speaking, of you got to remember, Paul. You got to remember turn your mic off when you answer the phone. Put, put, no, just let him. Is that Ron? Let him through. Just let him through. Let him call. Let him through. Let him through. Um, the first thing. The first thing that you got to remember is that um, it's different when you're talking about a multi team tiebreaker than it is when you're talking about a sing or two team tiebreaker. So right now, because the Bengals have the tiebreaker over the Ravens in the division, the Ravens don't have that spot in the playoffs. And yes, you look and say, why are they behind the Chargers? That doesn't make sense. They beat the Chargers. Well, it's currently, among wildcard teams, a multi-team tie between the Colts, Chargers, Bills, and Ravens. And so you got to go down the line of tiebreaker scenarios, and I think it's conference record is the one that's separating them. But there's three games left, is what I would really tell you. Don't get caught up on where they are in in the standings at the moment. Ron's in Owings Mills. Ron, good morning, pal. How are you? Hey, Glenn. Thanks for giving me a few minutes yep. of your time. I, uh, um, yeah, I, I hated the play call, uh, cutting off half the field. Hollywood was open. If that's a normal drop back, that's a touchdown, in my opinion. Um, we're two for eight on two-pointers this year, seven for 19 the last four years. Obviously, that's not good enough. Um I, also, I've heard this argument that uh, the three points in the first quarter, I want to just quickly go over that. So, Glenn, my, my position on that is, is it true that the decision to go for it definitely helped scoring a touchdown on the next drive because you pin them? No, I mean, Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. However, could you make the argument, and I'm not saying I'd like your opinion on this, mm-hmm. could you make the argument that if you kick the field goal and you kick it, is there a magical possibility that on the opening drive the Ravens are actually able to get a stop against a cold Aaron Rodgers who hasn't scored a touchdown in the first quarter all season? It's possible. I'm not telling you it's impossible, but you're not getting the ball where they got it. I mean, part of that is because the Packers, as has been pointed out by many, have an atrocious special teams unit, and it's just an insane penalty that they committed right there. I mean, that's just it's just bat-ass nuts the penalty that they committed in that moment. So is it possible? Sure, it's, it's possible. I mean, like, okay. but I, I think the best thing you can do, Ron, is say, well, you could have done something different. I, blaming them, I, you know, the, I don't think that actually works out that they deserve blame for that decision. But you could could they have done something different and maybe they could have gotten a, a better result? It's, it's possible. So, so also just about going for it, about asking the, the players. So I, I, this is, I, maybe I'm wrong. But I look at Bill Belichick, I look at other top-of-the-line coaches, when they make a decision, or I'm, re- I'm Ripley, lip-reading, so I don't see, I can't hear them, but I'm lip-reading, and I, my opinion is those top guys say, we're going, we're going or not, and we're, you get them settled on the sideline, but he's not asking every little player on offense, do you want to go for it? I saw on TV yesterday, John Harbaugh, when they called the timeout, he brought over uh, Andrews, he brought over Huntley, and he asked them, do you want to go for it? I think it's a little bit overthinking. Like, they're, they're always going to say they want to go for it, Glenn. Well, and I don't, and I'm being honest, I don't think that that's actually, I, I think that he's doing that more for theater than it is for, or not really theater, that's the wrong way I was describing it. I think he wants them to feel like they're part of it more than it is that, that they actually are influencing the decision that's made. Ron, I, I don't think they're actually influencing the so decision. you think it's decision. just for the cameras? No, I don't think it's for the cameras. I think it's for them. I think he wants those sure. players to feel like they're a part of that process. I think that has worked for him. 
is making the, the players believe that they are having an influence on the decisions that are being made. It was like the Lamar Jackson thing in the Chiefs game. I, like, I genuinely believe in that Seattle game a couple years ago that Lamar influenced the decision that was made. I don't, he did. I don't think there was any chance in hell that in the Kansas City game earlier this season the Ravens were doing anything other than going foot on fourth down because there was no world in which they could give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. I don't think there was yeah. – Lamar could have walked over and said – dude, I feel like I'm about to die. I can't go back out there. And they would have said, get back out there. We're running a play on fourth down. I think this is right. way more about making the players, this is John Harbaugh's leadership style, is making them feel like they're part of the decision-making process. Because I think you're right. He knows they're saying yes. He knows damn well they're saying yes. And maybe you're right. That is his leadership style. I just don't think that that to me doesn't matter as much. Like that's just me personally as a player. Like I just want the coach to make the decision. Like in the, Angel, in the movie Angels in the Outfield, of course you want the manager to, to talk to Mel Clark for a half hour to tell to tell him yeah. that the kid sees an angel to right. psychologically help him get the right. Out. Right. That's different. Maybe that's use different. some of those angels to see what Christopher Lloyd is. He still did Christopher Lloyd passed away, right? I mean, he's he's oh, he's oh uh, easy over there. Or yeah. no, the pitcher the pitcher passed away, I believe. In real life, uh, Christopher Mel Lloyd Clark. is very much still alive. He's still with us. He's very much still eh, alive. How about that? I just pulled so a Forrester Clark, there. The pitcher, the pitcher that played the uh, yeah. the actor, he, he passed away. Tony, no, Tony Danza died. Tony, Tony Danza played Mel Clark. He died in the movie. He's alive in real I life. Say, also. I thought Tony Danza history was alive. teacher in Philadelphia. Is that really? Okay, is that true? Yeah. That's what Tony Danza is doing with his life these days. As a, the last time I checked, he was teaching history. In I Philadelphia. had no idea. I'm learning lots of things today. Christopher well, Lloyd yeah, is a lot. I didn't mean, mean to bring up that movie, but it made me think of the movie when he gathered them all around. Like, I, I think it's a little much. I get you're saying it's his leadership style and he wants to make them feel part of it. I just don't, I just don't day, think it's that big of a deal, Ron. I really don't. I, I, I don't I, know. It's just like it creates an indecision in my mind when I'm watching it and I'm seeing like them rallying like the little angels in the outfield. Like To me, like just make the decision. I, didn't, I, I don't really have a great opinion on whether or not they should have done or shouldn't because they still could have lost even if they got it. Oh, that's they why I don't think it's that second. big of a deal. I think they were going I to just, lose I no matter the what. the play call, though. The play call was awful. I, I hear you, but he had – look, I don't. I think that people – and in the, immediate, in the immediate aftermath, they said the same thing, Ron, but in watching it more and more, I, some of that is no matter who you are as a quarterback, you've got to be able to say, I, I can either force it here or I can look to see if anybody else is there. It, Hollywood Brown was not that far behind him. It was damn near parallel. Um like that's you. You got to be able to do that. As and, do you? Do you think this Huntley his elevated play affects anything with Lamar's no, contract? Or no, no, not remotely. I think there's stuff related to Lamar that that impacts his contract. That his struggles against the blitz impact his contract. But no, Tyler Huntley. The Ravens are not suddenly saying to themselves, "Well, this guy can just be Lamar Jackson," and it's absurd that we would even say that. <laughs> That they could pay him cheap and, and trade no, Lamar for no, four. For, it's a, it's, that doesn't come. That, okay. That's it's fantasy nonsense. It's the stuff. Okay. If, if we want to believe that that's true, but like it it requires you to think that the, if you think that Lamar Jackson has has suddenly this is always who Lamar Jackson was is the guy that you've seen in the last few weeks. Well, then you might feel that way. But the Ravens don't think that. They don't internally right. believe that this is Lamar Jackson. They they know well, what God, he's capable. Yeah. And and with all due respect to Tyler you. Huntley, he's not capable of eighty percent of what Lamar Jackson is capable of. He's he's a nice player and will probably find a way to hang around in the league for a little while, but it won't be as a – his throwing motion still is problematic. Um, there's a big wind-up there that we don't want to talk about that, that probably should have been disastrous on a couple of throws in the flats that, that hung out there when he was throwing underneath the Hollywood Brown that you should not be hanging a ball out mm -hmm. there like that. 
there are still problems with Tyler Huntley. Again, we just our expectations are so low for Tyler Huntley that mm-hmm. that he's wildly surpassing him them, and we're praising him as if he's Johnny Unitas. He's last thing for you. Last thing for you right. before I go and appreciate it. Yeah, um, I gotta go too. Australian Open in one month. Obviously, I know you're excited about that, but just yes. also, if your plan was to go for the win all along, why not do the same philosophy you told me last week? Oh, I agree. And maybe yeah. That, why not that part? Go I can for be. It well, go for I'm second, I'm going for go two. Go for it on the first time. Exactly right. That's the that is John Harbaugh is not going to make my slaps list, but he almost did just because of that. That that individually, I have no problem criticizing over. You okay. get, give yourself well, two I mean, chances. I'm just using his. I'm using yep. his his explanation 100%. from last week. Yes, yes, Ron. You, this one, I think you're 100 percent right about John Harbaugh. I'm one, usually wrong. Ever, I'm usually not, wrong. So this is great. <laughs> Ron, I, I love you, buddy. Uh, Take it easy. I'll talk to you soon. There's Ron from Owings Mills. I love that guy. It's crazy. I love him. I love him. He's a good caller. I know you guys, He works you guys up sometimes, but he's a good caller. That's why I love him. All right. Um, go ahead. Give Jeremy a call. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I got it all screwed up. <sighs> I, I get it. I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to make believe that you, there can be a world where you can get four first-round picks for Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley. It's just stop. 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 That's not a thing. Stop. You know what is a thing? The Baltimore area Chick-fil-A restaurants. They're a great thing. And if you're looking for a simple holiday meal, try Chick-fil-A catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. He's Jeremy Kahn, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. You see his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. He's back with us, and I haven't forgiven you yet, Kahn. I, I, I just want you to know that not only did you fail me in not putting the pick up originally, but then you gave me the wrong pick, and I'll never be over it, you son of a bitch. You got everything wrong. I hope you have a miserable crit. Do I sound like everybody else that talks to you when you make you, you make your picks now? I, I thought I thought I told you to bet oh. Chattanooga in the second half. See if we can't half. get that. See they were the, a much better second half team. Oops, oh, sorry. Um, yeah. And I found I I kind of feel like Matt Damon today on Jimmy Kimmel. Like I got bumped for the world's largest Knicks fan. Oh, I know. Uh, their number I know. one Ron, fan is what Ron, I hear. Ron called in. Ron called in last <laughs> week. The funny thing too is we we're gonna call you early, and then Ron called in, and I I Ron had actually called in once earlier, and we had to bump him for Chuck Pagano. So it you know I'd said you can, you can call <laughs> it. This is the. He's insane, but I love him so much. Yeah. Like, this, I try well, to, when he gets upset, because I remember when I was on with Scott, and he would get upset. He's like, Scott, Scotty, Scotty, right, Scott, right, Scott. Right, right. He just he can't keep firing. But I, Ron's, Ron's the best, man. What a great kid, and he's a huge sports man. I, so wrote I, a, I actually wrote about Ron once, because I had never met him until this summer. We were both down at the tennis tournament in D.C. He's a big tennis fan, too. And it was literally the first time I actually met Ron somewhere, and I had a conversation. I was trying to explain why I like Ron, because in in – inherently he should be the guy that we hate as a caller, right? Like he's yeah. the guy that just says anything and but like he's it weirdly he's reasonable about it. When you tell him that you disagree, he he gets it. He doesn't just start calling you an MFer. And that's the reason why <laughs> I kinda like Ron. So, so the same thing you're talking about, I spoke to a Ravens Roost this week and yeah. I'm explaining like analytics. And I know this is probably something we'll get into sure. where I said, I was just telling people, I said, look, all analytics is, is information. It's, it's math. It's simple because you don't understand something. Don't just don't go, Oh, that's analytics. No, it's they're playing percentages. And right. I do think there are times in games where you're supposed to, you know, play the, the, the field process and how you feel. And Harbaugh's done it twice now and it hasn't worked out. But, but the funniest thing was there was a guy in the back 
as I'm explaining why you go for two when you're down 14 on the first conversion mm. and why they say to do mm. that. And he's just shaking his head no. And I'm like, why are you, why are you saying no? He goes, because that's you – no, know, it's wrong. I said, like, <laughs> it's not wrong. I'm telling you wait, wait. why they do it. Were you don't t- have to agree with it. Was, was that like, – was that man Gary Stein by any chance? Was that? <laughs> no, because no, me and this guy hugged it out afterwards because I kept talking, oh. explaining it, and the whole time I'm doing it, he's just shaking his head no. He's like, nope. And I'm like, are you telling me what I'm telling you is wrong or that you don't agree with it? He's like, it's wrong. It's, just, <laughs> it's not wrong. Here's the math. Here's why it works so, out. Gary, he just Jer- he would not let it go. Jeremy, Jeremy Steiner was in here on Friday. And th- th- this all started that last Wednesday night. We're all down at the casino, and, and, and you screwed me with your Chattanooga pick. We're all down at the casino, and and Steiner brings up the the two-point thing from last week. And I'm like, look, man, I don't think it made – and this is the funny thing. I don't even feel strongly about it, right? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I get it, and I I think slightly more than not, it made sense to do it the way that they did it in the the Browns game. And so I'm I'm sort of going through, this is why I think that it made more sense than it didn't make more sense. And Steiner just loses his mind. I mean, loses his mind and starts doing the Donald Trump bit. All he does is just start putting his hand in my face and saying, wrong, 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 wrong. wrong." And we're sitting at, like, we're at a casino just hanging out as buddies. And he's just doing this bit. It's just wrong. And it's not... He's not doing it as a gag. I had to say, Stein, do you realize what you're doing? Like, you're acting like Donald Trump. Like, that's what you're doing yeah. here. And, and you know, like, the weird thing is we can't have conversations about it because it's almost like, and, and forgive me for this, it's almost like religion. And I bring this up all the time. Yeah. It's what you were taught. It's kind of why where you look at certain areas over the world, like, oh, they're this religion. Well, why are they that religion? Because that's where they grew up. And that's what's taught there. Everybody's been taught to, hey, you kick the extra point, you do this. You kick the extra And then I love when people go, we got Justin Tucker. They're not going for two because they think their kicker can't make it, obviously. They're going for two because they think it's the best option. You clearly have the best kicker in the history of the sport in the world. I don't know that anybody's ever going to touch this guy, how good he's been. But, um, but that's not why they're going for two, that they don't no, trust the kicker. It has they're, nothing they're to doing do with that. Matt says so. And, and the funny thing is this week I would have kicked the extra point and gone to overtime. I thought they should have gone for two when they scored the first touchdown. And, right. So um, that's the, the yeah. first touchdown is the one I think you can be critical of. I think you can be critical of, and, and I'm, I, I think it's very, you should be critical of it. it. It's almost the exact same scenario as a week ago. A week ago, your decision-making was about giving yourself a second, cha- a second path, right? Mm-hmm. Not having everything come down to one play. That you wanted to create a second path by which you could still win the game. I would compare it. You just brought up religion. Now I'm going to pair it to politics. We talk about this with elections, right? If a campaign in a presidential election looks at Ohio and says, I don't think we're going to win Ohio. The polling all says we're all really bad in Ohio. Well, you better come up with another path. There better be another state that you've got in your back pocket, um, whether it's Arizona or Georgia, that can get you to that victory. And that's what it was a week ago, was coming up with a second path. We're not going to have the game just come down to one play, perhaps with 20 seconds left. We want to create a second path to victory. And that, to me, is the same thing that you're talking about with going for two when you're down 14. It's giving yourself two different chances. Instead of it all coming down to one play, we're going to take our chance here, and if we don't get it, we've got a backup plan. And that backup plan is trying to go for two and going to overtime and seeing well, what happens there. You know the other part of this that I don't understand, and, and like I, we have our group chat for the morning show where uh, our producer and myself more like look at the analytics, and you know Rob and Ed are a little bit more straightforward. You can just, you can just call it. You can just call are. them old. You can just say that yeah. they're just dinosaurs. Well, I mean, it's just guys. it's just their viewpoints on, on different things, and. Um, you know, I'm not telling you you're wrong if you do it the old-fashioned way, if you're just more comfortable doing it, but then you're relying on a coin toss, and 
you know, obviously things can go awry. But the one thing that I understand is the argument that's made, like, where people are going, you really want to give Aaron Rodgers 42 seconds in the ball with two timeouts? I'm going, even if you get the two-point conversion, yes. he still has the same, same amount of time in those timeouts which is, to go kick a field goal which to win is, the game. Which is why so it's sort not a good argument. It's all a gag to me, Jeremy, because I think they were losing the game no matter what happened at the end. It's why it's hard for me to be worked up about any of it. I and it doesn't take anything away. I think it's remarkable they were in the game. I think that you know Tyler Huntley played so I mean just unbelievably well given the circumstances. All of those things can be true. I, it's just hard for me to be all that worked up about the decision at the end of the game because I frankly don't think it mattered. I think they were losing the game no matter what because Aaron Rodgers had 42 seconds against that secondary. Well, it tells you all that because the people that are upset about Harbaugh going forward on was it fourth and five, fourth and six, yeah, uh, on his own, you know, in his own territory, people he. He felt like he had to. That's what Aaron Rodgers does to you. That's what the injuries do to you. And you combine both. It's like, we're SOL. I can't believe we're in this game. And there are some people that go, hey, go for two. You're playing with house money at this point. But ultimately, the, the season is on the line. Because right now, as it stands, the Ravens are out of the playoffs. Um, you know, and again, there's still plenty of weeks. you got a huge game with Cincinnati. And I bet that that Steelers game comes down to everything. Uh, Big Ben's last game in a regular season, or Big Ben's last game ever, more likely, um, against the Ravens here in Baltimore, and how, how large that that game looms, yep. it's, it's going to be incredible. No, no doubt. I mean, it really it's it's shaping up, and there's, you know, there, there is still a scenario where it can end up being for the division, depending on what the Ravens do next week. I mean, if the Ravens lose next yeah. week, then it's out, right? Like that's that, that's over. They're not winning the division if they lose to the Bengals next week. Next week is about their division hopes. Um, and then if if they win it, there is this goofy possibility that this could be a Sunday night. Winner wins the division, loser season is over, and Ben Roethlisberger's career is at stake. It could set up to be one of the most anticipated nights in in regular season history for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, yep. Should it all go that way? But there's a lot there's a lot of things that have to happen. If they don't win a game between now and then, it kind of almost doesn't matter what's at stake. It's going to be difficult to get this city amped up for a team that's lost five straight games. It's going to be a difficult thing to do. Um, Jeremy Kahn, all that being said, right? All we, so all of that's out of our system. Analytics be damned. It's all kind of what it is. We, we still keep coming back to, I don't know, two things. I still feel like there's always somebody who wants to make everything about Greg Roman, which is hilarious because they scored 30 points with a backup quarterback yesterday. They have the mm-hmm. number six offense in the NFL. I, I, I continue. There was this piece in the ringer last week that was written about Greg Roman and everybody sort of breathlessly shared it and, because it fits the narrative. And again, I'm not telling you that I know that the Greg Roman offense is what's best for the Ravens moving forward, but I know damn well that you can't write thousands of words about the Ravens offense in 2021 and not reference the fact that they don't have a running back on the roster. Like it's, it's just unbelievable to me, the lengths that we're willing to go for this to be a story and, and to just blatantly ignore what's actually in front of us. Well, you know, the, the, the funny thing, it, with you bringing that up, it just hit me. It's like, you know, we have all the, uh, the people like to say the analytical guys that tell you that running backs don't matter. Y- yeah, they do. So it's, it's, it's not fun. like you can just take anybody and plug them in a system. And maybe it, it happened because of the way things went with the Ravens where everybody gets hurt, and then now you're just you're, you're trying to find something that works. Right. Uh, you know, whether it's Le'Veon Bell or Devontae Freeman uh, Latavius Murray. I mean, it feels like we got the ghosts of all these guys because, and I'm not trying to knock them. They're at the back end of their careers. And I think they can be serviceable in a certain role, but when those guys are your feature guys and the ones that are getting all the carries, I think it's problematic. And oh, by the way, teams now don't fear those running backs. So they're going to go after your quarterback every time. I, the, the, the times where I think Greg Roman, and he does deserve some of the blame, 
Uh, I still think the passing scheme is just awful. There, were, there was a route last night, and I don't know if you talked about it, where two receivers ran into each other. Now, could that be their fault? Right. Absolutely. Right. But could it also be Greg Roman's fault for, for having th- this play drawn up where two guys are going to be in the same area? Because this is what uh, you know Kurt Warner and uh, Dan Orlovsky and Steve Smith and all these guys have been talking about. So I do inherently have a problem with the passing schemes and how some of the things go and with the cover zero stuff and teams have been running it at them consistently and it doesn't feel like they've adapted and done anything to slow that process down. It's like, oh, we'll figure it out and we'll get better at it, um, but it's not happening. So, But all the blame going to them is such a ridiculous thing because, look, the quarterbacks, Huntley's played well. The situation has been no running backs. The quarterbacks had issues. I mean, Lamar has been hit so much that I do think this is adding up and he's becoming a little bit hesitant in the pocket and maybe he's well, making up his mind pre-read or he's staring guys down and when they're not open, he doesn't know what to do with the ball. So I feel like he has regressed, but I make no mistake about it. He's the guy I still want to pay to be the quarterback of the future for the Baltimore Ravens. A hundred percent. I mean, there's no debate about that to me whatsoever, but they got to fix it, right? Like they, yep. 100%, they have to fix it um, or, or figure out what's happening with Lamar, particularly against the cover zero. They've got they, they all, and how much of that is on the scheme versus how much of that is on Lamar himself. They got to work on that for sure. All right. Yeah, I mean, their, their offensive line is atrocious too. I mean, with all due respect to uh, Bozeman, who I think has been great this year, and Zeitler's been really good. On the outside, it's just been terrible. So it, it, it's injuries and it's guys that aren't aren't good enough to keep up with the Joneses with the talent that they're facing. And, oh, by the way, you get Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and that crew coming in um, at the end of the year. And the funniest thing is the Steelers have the worst rush de- uh, defense in the league, which sounds weird to say, and I'm not sure that this running game can attack it successfully. Um, I, I, 100%. I mean, like, that's just the reality. It's weird because they actually ran the ball a few times yesterday. They had a couple of plays. But even on those plays, you're like, dude, if, this, if Latavius Murray had any sort of burst – this isn't a 17-yard run. This is a touchdown. Like, Absolutely. And that's, that's what I'm talking There's no explosive plays. You have right. zero explosive plays from your running backs. And if they did get in open space, I feel like uh, at times that, that they're not going to break away, that they're not going to hit that home run that changes the game. Um, and and I, I have no confidence in it at all. So, and I think the defense sees that too. It's like Big Ben's arm last year where they're like, he can't throw deep. So what are we going to do? We'll just sit on the underneath routes and let him throw these three-yard passes and tackle the guys. Uh, that there's no threat of it. And with there being no threat of the running game outside of the quarterback, you, you'll take your chances with it 100%. and just play the pass. It's very so. clear. It's very clear that's the case. All right, you and I need to talk about next Monday because mm-hmm. I, I am, and for those that, that have not heard yet, and I talked about this last Friday, unfortunately today was supposed to be the day that we took everything down to Helping Up Mission and all the great stuff that you have collected and donated. It's overwhelming. And uh, Drew and I went out yesterday, thanks to the people at uh, Target White Marsh. They were unbelievably accommodating with us. In fact, um, they made your $2,000 stretch out a little bit further, and they chipped in another $200 on top of that for what we were able to do. Uh, for the, it was an incredible thing. Thanks to Kyle and his team, it was great. So we've done all that. The problem is we are all living in the same world right now. There was an outbreak at the mission itself and we are not able to go down and do our collection event at the mission today. We got to wait, let that make sure everybody's safe, make sure everybody's okay. And then once we get through that, probably in the neighborhood of 10 days is what it's going to be. Then we'll be able to go down and take everything, which is good because we are finally in the conference room to the point where the table is unusable. That's how much stuff I have that you guys have collected. And it's incredible what you guys have done. 
So with that in mind, Jeremy, it actually buys us an opportunity that we could turn next Monday into a drinking show that has another donation aspect to it. So okay. if you're if you're able to come in, and I don't know what your reality is because you've got your own show to do, so I don't know when you'd be able to come in, but are are you down to come in here and, and do a full-on drinking show next Monday? Yeah, I'll come over right after the show. I just got to make sure if we don't have – I'm pretty sure we don't have a meeting, but – I could probably be there by about 10:30 or so. All right, so so we're gonna plan on that, and and I'm I'm gonna invite Wendy again, but I'm almost nervous about it because you just I love Wendy. You never know what she's about to say. Like genuinely, no. don't know. I, and you get her around me, and things will get weird. Correct. Correct. I thought that the show. I, I thought that they might just come in and say, "All right, well, this was the last one last year when we had her be part of it." So we'll invite Wendy again. Um, we're going to do this. I, I guess the, 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 the second element of it is, is it just us sitting around getting drunk or are we doing the bit where you've got, you know, awful booze that, that we can try? Like what, what is, what is the I think bit? we should do the trivia thing again. Didn't we do that last well, we year? Did do, then, uh... We did do a trivia bit last year with, uh, I'll, I'll get in touch with John, John Proctor this week. I'll tell him to put together something trivia wise for the and, week. And if it's, if it's Wendy, I think there should be some pop culture music stuff in there as well. Okay. And, you know, we can do that. We can, I'm down, yeah. I'm down with that. What else, what, uh, what else can we implement? Is there something, is there a gross food thing that we can do as well to get Ooh. people to donate more next week? Is there a, is there, we do a lot of this stuff like, for, oh, I got a reminder, uh, Eric Arditi still got to come in here and eat his, eat his prison pizza. I got to remember, remind him he's got to do that. What's prison pizza? That sounds good. Uh, you should ask your boy Ed Norris what a prison pizza is. <laughs> <laughs> he taught me what a hookup was once upon a time, which came in handy for me when I made my visit to, uh, to summer Well, he camp. talked about two guys that were in jail, um, that were girls i guess you could say and oh. it was britney and beyonce said uh Ooh. they were two lovely ladies I he bet. never had the encounter with them i bet they were popular so he says but. i bet they were popular a prison pizza is made using like a a watered down bag of crushed funyuns as the crust like Ooh. it is it is it's just anything you can find in the commissary that you could put on top of it and it's treated as a delicacy so in like the maybe, prison. Is there Slim Jims or something on oh, it? Oh, yeah, like... Slim Jims, 100%, um, pickles, like... anything you can find in the commissary. And we decided this was a baseball-related bet that Arditi lost, so we were also throwing peanuts and Cracker Jacks on top of all of the other huh. gross stuff that was already on this gross prison pizza. So I mean, We could get something that's, uh, you know, if you, I don't know if we'd finish the bottle, but... Uh... Maybe we got a smaller one, like some tequila with the worm or a scorpion oh, in it. Or, oh, God. And have oh, somebody eat that at the end. Oh, I can look for that if you want. Oh, that's a terrible idea. I had a buddy when we were on our guy's trip down to the beach several years ago. He uh, he ate the worm at the bottom of a tequila bottle. I but thought you were about to say uh, mouth to mouth. I thought that's where you were going <laughs> with that. <laughs> 20 bucks is 20 bucks. Yeah, right. right. But well, he so ate the worm. Dude's not out. It's a, uh, the worm that he ate was supposedly supposed to make you hallucinate, but nothing happened to him. He just almost threw up because it was gross. I but. mean, for what's the amount of money? What's the amount of money for you to consume? Well, Jeremy, it might be $20, actually. What's the amount of money that somebody would have to donate for you to be willing to consume the worm? Me? I've already done it. I've ate a scorpion. I've eaten a worm. Uh, okay, but you're worm. not selling this well. We're trying to raise money now. Give me a, give me well, a number. Uh, well, you pick the number because I like. If we get to that number, I'll eat it. I don't care. <laughs> what if it was an alcohol-soaked cockroach? I don't. I'd still eat it. I don't care. Is if that it's a thing? Soaked, is, is, it's I mean, like you could make alcohol. it a thing. 
You could 100% make it a thing. Well, I'm not going to have the home variety like Paul takes a cockroach and puts it in a well, bottle. Paul's not even gonna, by the way, Paul's not even going to be here next Monday. He's bailing <laughs> on us. So my buddy Ben's going to have to come in and run the show for us, um, which is why this works out because we can't – I don't want to do guests next Monday. I want to do phone stuff. I just want to keep it very sim- – well, I mean – Mr. The, Dover's coming in? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ben? ben Dover. Ben Dover is stopping by for Monday. <laughs> nice. Uh, no, my buddy Ben Lamoon's going to come in and help us out with this next Monday. And he doesn't drink anyway, so this is perfect. He can actually run the board and, and, and we can get sloppy and, and have some fun. It's the holiday season. Uh, don't forget to hang up your sock. The whole deal, right? Like, I'm down. I'm going to find some fun stuff. I'm sure at, uh, what is it, the liquor pump they have over there in that Parkville. Oh, yeah, place. right there. I know I know exactly what you're talking about. Those yes. guys are awesome, and they have so much stuff in there. Or, like, a total wine. They've got a wide run. But I, like, I want the dirty stuff. You know, I just want... Like, this is – find something that's been soaked in alcohol. You can always do – and it's not – you can always do the moonshine that has, like – and they end up being cherry bombs, but those are more deadly than eating a worm because they're just soaked. They're, they take on so much alcohol. Can, can I um, can I leave you in charge of this? Can I leave you in charge of the, the that particular part of the strategy for the week? Yeah, I'm going to search and see if I can't find something that's okay. pretty awful. Let me know what you need from me, and I'll make it happen. I'll have John Proctor prepare trivia for next Monday. Cool. And, and there's got to be another – I'll think of one other element to the show, but this is the deal. We're going to do all this – and we're going to ask you to make donations based on what we're doing. And Wendy, of course, will say whatever you want her to say in her sultry voice if she comes in. i got to remember to message Wendy to make sure that she's good for Monday. She'll definitely do that bit because she did it for us last year, and that was quite popular. And then Jeremy will also, for a certain amount of money, use his sultry voice to say things to you. Jeremy, could you give an example of what you'd be willing to say in your sultry voice? Like, for example, if somebody said, uh, please say, please, Daddy, stop. Could you do that in your sultry voice? Hey, please, Daddy, stop. Yeah, that's exactly. You could get more of that from Jeremy this coming Monday. Or, or say, please, Daddy, don't stop. Yeah, exactly right. He's willing to do it all. And he'll even do it as Jerome Boger, for example. Listen, please, Daddy, don't stop. That's exactly what he's willing to do. If you're willing to donate more money, this is what we're going to do. We're going to collect some more money, and then I'll go back out on Tuesday. I'll go right back over to Target and White Marsh, and we'll get more stuff for the folks at Helping Up Mission. All right? Awesome. If, yep. that's, if we're all down, we'll do that next Monday morning. I'll get in touch I'm with you. I'm doing terrible today. things for a good cause. That's what I'm talking about. That's what it's all about. It's it's absolutely awful what we're doing it, but we're doing it for the right reasons. And By then, the way, can I plug something that has nothing to do with me? Please. It's just for everyone's pleasure. If you have not watched the new MacGruber TV show that's out on Peacock. I haven't watched it yet. I. What are you doing? All right. The third episode, I almost pissed my. I'm not even kidding. I almost pissed my pants laughing so hard. And it's it's just like the movie. There, you know, you there is some going. Are oh, they're doing this joke again? They're doing that joke again. But I still laugh every single time. Hey, what is it. before? I let you go. What is your rule? So, like, for example, I don't know how much you care about the Spider-Man thing. I care deeply, and I didn't get to see it this weekend. So I, I, I probably will not be able to see it until, say, Wednesday of this week. Um, what is your rule personally with openly discussing things on social media? Not like the – like with, with just openly having a conversation about something related to a movie on social media. What is your rule for that type of stuff? Yeah, I don't do it until it's at least on video. Like I don't oh, – wow. like if somebody wants to chat about it, I'll wow. do it in a private message. Okay. Just because I – like. I enjoy it so much, and I know, like, with people's lives, some people can't get out and see it. Um, you can buy it on Apple TV, but, like, I don't know when they're officially releasing it, so I pre-ordered it. 
Um, but I did. I also went and saw it at the theaters, and it's it's incredible. I mean, look, so. trust me, I'm going to go see it. I want that. It just we had some family things that we were doing this weekend, mm-hmm. and I didn't get a chance to this weekend. And I think it's an interest. I don't know what the actual rule is, but I do feel like it's got to be at least a week. Like you've got to give everybody a week to try. I, to I see think you should give them longer than like. Why would you have to post this? But like, you guys could talk like. You could set up a, a you know a, a DM or something if you really wanted to talk I, about it. Like, hey, anybody want to talk about the Spider movie? Send me a message. I, whatever. I agree to some extent, but I also feel like at some point something becomes ubiquitous enough, right? Like it's enough in the zeitgeist that like why mm-hmm. wouldn't we be talking about it? Like every yeah, everybody just, knows. I this have an inherent problem with people that just want to ruin. Like, there's no other reason to just bring it up out there. Like, there are people that see it and then post, "Oh, this happened," and it's like, wait a minute, guys. Like, you're you're taking away someone's ability to enjoy that and be surprised like i almost hate now that everything gets leaked out on the internet because how great would it have been to find out who the cameos were and what was going on during the movie how awesome was it like there's like 12 previews before the movie i used to enjoy watching the previews but now i've seen everything because of facebook or twitter or what have you the one thing i will say is that there are two post-credit scenes one right away one at the very end and they're both worth staying for. All right. All right. Trust me. By the time we when we talk next Monday and we're so drunk that we forget we're not supposed to say spoilers, I will be able to talk about it with you. I promise you that. I will be awesome. capable of it. Yeah. Also, all I ever see on Facebook anymore is commercials for the lingerie company Adore Me. I have never purchased anything from that lingerie company. Not a thing. But they have found out that I am a man who will invest a lot of time with their commercials. And I am bombed. Bombarded by them. They Bomb got to you. They all. got to you. They got you talking about it. God, correct. I have now shared it. I brought it up in conversation multiple times. It's Jeremy. It's quite effective advertising. It's quite. They're, they're definitely. They're one hundred percent listening in to what you talk about. Like we had to get a dog crate. Never searched it. Never did anything. Went online. I mentioned dog crate to my wife. I'm not even bsing. Within the day, like a couple hours later. I had posts for dog crates all over Facebook. I mean, they are stealing every single thing you talk. They're listening to you. It's insane, man, what's going on with the technology that they have. But so, if I, I'm going to tag you in one of these commercials so that you will be bombarded similarly because you will understand why I have lost so much. I've lost probably weeks of my year to Adore Me commercials this year. It's just a thing. And then like I do the bit where I'm like, well, I wonder if this particular actor is performed in any other films that I would enjoy. There is <laughs> there's been some of that this year. Yes. At JeremyCon1057 on Twitter is how you follow him. Picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. The Big Bag Morning Show every morning on 1057 The Fan. We'll see you next Monday, all right? All right, man. Thanks, buddy. Jeremy Con checking in with us here on GCR. We'll come back in. We'll dish out some slaps. Hey, Stan the Fan uh, is going to be off. For, well, that's not fully true. So if you missed Stan and Ross talking with Tim Kirkshin last week, I'd encourage you to go check it out right now. Great show with the soon-to-be Hall of Famer. They're not going to do their night shows, but Stan, Luke, and I are going to do a special show tomorrow afternoon about our uh, Press Box Best Of issue. So you'll want to check that out tomorrow afternoon as we really dive in on how it all came about. That'll be a special show that Stan will do this week, and then he'll be off until the new year. Uh, for his shows that he does typically twice a week on Zoom. Slaps are next, Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is 
over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. Cold weather has arrived, and that means one thing, higher energy bills. But the good news is that Window Nation is here to help. For a limited time, get 50% off all style windows, bays, bows, double hung, and sliders, plus a house of windows for only $99 a month. Rising natural gas prices are affecting everyone, but new Window Nation windows can help. Get 50% off any style window and a house of windows for only only $99 a month. Call Window Nation today at 866-90-NATION or go online at windownation.com. That's December only. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. From all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. As I was saying, we're going to talk about the best of issue tomorrow on Facebook Live. If you haven't picked it up yet, I would go do that right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Our best of 2021 issue is available right now on the cover. Our Mo Gamba Sports Person of the Year, Justin Tucker. Go pick that up right now. You can also read it at PressBoxOnline.com slash best of. All right, uh, slaps. It's a very difficult week. I've said that a bunch of times. Slaps are brought to you by Exxon Mobil. Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube Service Center. Ask for Mobile One. The rules remain the same: two offensive players, two defensive players, a special teams player, or a coach. 
the fifth could be either of those things or another offensive or defensive player, whoever you would like. Rank them five to one. Who deserves the most blame? It was a brutally difficult week. I mean, I'm telling you, I think this is the most difficult slaps we've ever done in the history of this show. With that in mind, my number five is, you know, I talked about this a minute ago with Jeremy. Latavius Murray actually had some nice runs during the course of the day, but even on those nice, those nice runs, there were a bunch of yards that were left on the field. Devontae Freeman definitely left yards on the field yesterday. Um, I'm putting Freeman on the list because Murray had the better day as the whole, so of the two of them, I'm Freeman's the guy that I'm putting on my list, but either one of them, th- that was the one thing offensively is that there were yards to be had. Those guys just didn't get them, and some of that is they're just really not capable of getting them. That's who they are as football players, but it's still part of the story. There were more yards there to be had on the run, and they didn't get them, so Devontae Freeman's my number five. Uh, number five for me is Ben Cleveland. The, these, My number four. The, these guys have to be statues. Once their hand hits the dirt, they have to be statues. And that little bit of a flinch potentially took a touchdown off the board for the Ravens because they had to go for the field goal instead of trying to go for it on fourth and one deep in Packers territory. Yep. So I thought the offensive line played well yep. overall yesterday. So, th- again, this was a tough list to make, but he's my number five. Uh, ben, he's my number four for the exact same reason. Yeah. Uh, for me, number four was Marquise Brown. And, again, this was a tough thing to do. Ten catches is nice. 43 yards is not. I actually turned to my brother-in-law at one point. I said, what does he have, like 10 catches for 43 yards? Yeah. And that was his stat line. For me, it's like, look, th- th- he's put in a difficult situation. He's a smaller guy, but I feel like he's got to find a way to make somebody miss I, I at just, some point. I didn't sense on those plays. They, they were just all right in the flat. I just yeah. didn't think there was much there for him to get. I thought he did about as much as it could be asked of, of right. him yesterday. For, for me, it was it, it's those things where – thank you. It's those things where he – um. He'll catch the ball and he'll run backwards to try and get around the guy. Uh, he know, I noticed he did that, did that a couple of times. Another couple of times he catches it and he turns around and instead of like trying to make a move, runs straight into the guy. Uh, you're not going to run anybody over in well, this league I mean, at his size. That's fair. So. It's fair. No, Again, it's tough, tough day. list. Tough man. day. Tough day. Yeah. No doubt. Um, with that in mind, my number three is Robert Jackson, and like nobody even knows who Robert Jackson is, mm-hmm. and so it's it's a very difficult. There was a part of me that wanted to, to not put him on my list and put one of the other linebackers on the list instead. I, I'm i just going to say, Robert Jackson made the list. Hopefully we'll never have to say his name again. My number three was Brandon Williams. Packers running backs had 11 carries for 49 yards in the second half. Yeah, I, They had that, 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 that seven-and-a-half-minute drive to start the second half. They had six carries right up the middle for 36 yeah, yards. They were running at Broderick Washington. That was the, If there was a guy from the defensive line that, that was going to make my list, and that was, the, that was the one guy that I really struggled with, Broderick mm-hmm. Washington was – and I get it. It's a difficult thing, too. What are, what's our expectation level? Right. Or why is he on the field that – there's a lot of questions that you can ask. Um, I, I saw somebody else brought up Brandon Williams. I didn't see them running at Brandon Williams. I saw the exact opposite thing. Like they, The success they were having running the ball was running it at Matt Abuike and mm-hmm. running it at, at Broderick Washington. Like They were definitely finding success – like the the loss of Calais Campbell stood yeah, out because of the guys that had to be on the field instead. Um, I think it's just when we see teams running the ball, we think that that's because somebody's a no tackle. Like I, I think we assume that way. And maybe somebody who goes back and watches film is going to say, actually, look at this. I think that I, it just in in watching it, it seemed like it wasn't Brandon Williams. It was the other guys along the D line they were going after. Well, and so when when I'm watching this, what I what I saw from Brandon Williams. And, and I also noticed that there were times that he wasn't out there when, when, when these runs were happening. Um, I saw him get pushed off the ball on two separate occasions. And I saw a couple other occasions where he's chasing the running back who had just gotten through the, through the line. And, and for me, Brandon Williams, he, he, he takes on double teams, like you said, all the right. time. He, when, his... when he's in the lineup, 
their their run defense is clearly a better run defense. Uh, this was just I I had to pick somebody. No, oh, I mean I get it. I, it's a tough day. I get it. Um, that in mind, my number two is Patrick Queen. Um, and it's not like it was egregious, but there was that hilarious moment in the game where Troy Aikman was like, "This is not Ravens football," and I'm like, "Yeah, really? What what Ravens have you been watching of late?" <laughs> um, like that the the Mercedes Lewis play, of course, stands out significantly. Mm-hmm. But there were tackle issues, again, and that sort of goes back into what you said about the running backs. Like, they were, again, some of the things that we had seen earlier in the year from the linebackers kind of crept up again yesterday where they were tackling issues. It wasn't the story of the game, but with, without doing other things to stand out, the tackling issues, the team definitely appeared to tire. These linebackers appeared to tire. I, and I'm making it Patrick Queen. I could have easily made it Josh Bynes. Like, I didn't think either one of them played well yesterday. Um... I'm not I'm not trying to beat up Patrick Queen too much, but like everybody was struggling. Everybody was struggling to tackle as the game went on. I just chose Queen as my number two. I thought about Patrick Queen. He had thirteen tackles. I I, mean, I, I get I, it. I couldn't come out of guy had thirteen I get it. tackles, you know. But so my number two I was Adafe Owe. I thought that he was a non factor in the game. He had one tackle. And, and I think that Look, Aaron Rodgers is so good. What 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 he did to the Ravens last night, he does to literally every team in the league. He has four interceptions on the year, right? Uh, but I feel like if you get some kind of a pass rush on on, on Rodgers, maybe you can keep him a little bit of, bit off balance, and maybe you force a throw like the first one that he threw to Devontae Adams that was overthrown a little bit. Um, if, for Ad- Adafi Owe, at this level, you got to develop a move. The speed isn't enough. you got to develop well, a move. He's my number one, but it, the big reason is because – you combine all that with the penalty, which is just blatantly unacceptable. Like, mm-hmm. you can say all you want about how you don't want that to be a penalty and how there's not a lot of con- – like, you can do all that. To the- That's the rule. Why would you touch him there? The- what are you doing? Why, it's why touch so him? unbelievably unnecessary. It's not just unnecessary. It's unthinkable. What are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish? And, like, it's one thing for somebody to say, well, maybe they – they were told they should all try to hit Aaron Rodgers because his toe or whatever. Well, that's not doing anything to Aaron Rodgers' toe. Right. Giving him a shove at the end of the like, what? What is that? And it was a nothing shove, and fl- and Rodgers flopped. Of course, but it doesn't matter. But you can't touch. You him. don't do it. Don't. It was There's just five nothing. seconds later. No reason to do that. It's insane. And I mean, I I can't get over it. I can't get over how much we get angry about these things. When like the, the, you want to be angry, be angry at Dafe Owe. Like there's just zero reason for him to be doing that. None. Zero. Zip. It's insane. That's why he's my number one. My number one, and I hate that he's my number one because I don't think the Ravens are even in this season without him, is John Harbaugh. And he's my number one. And it's not because I I even turned to people I was watching the game with and I said, I think they're going to go for two. I don't agree, disagree with going for two. It's been the same play call over and over. You're, you're legitimately, like, it's not even eliminating half the field. You're eliminating 75% of the field when you roll out right to the far sideline. And on top of that, like, you can say, okay, that's Greg Roman's call there, but John Harbaugh's a head coach. He knows the call that's going in there. He can say, no, we're not running that play because it hasn't worked the last six times we've tried to run it. Brown's open in the end zone. I know that Huntley has to see him and get him, but I feel like if you just drop Huntley back, you can you have more of a chance of making something happen than rolling the quarterback out wide right. And when you've lost two games in the last three, going for the win with a two-point conversion and it's failed both times, you're subject to criticism. I think that John Harbaugh is a great coach, and I think that the Ravens are not anywhere close to where they are without him. 
but I had to pick somebody and going for two there, there's, I there, thought they should have kicked it. There's elements of what you're saying that I think have some truth to them. There's other elements, like like this thing where you say, well, when you when you go for two and you miss both times, you're subject to some criticism. I guess you're subject to criticism. Is yeah. every, I mean, everything is a head coach. It's the nature of being a head coach. But I do feel as though we have an obligation to, to say in those situations, like the, the, the idea... It's part of the problem that I have with this whole conversation. The Ravens were losing that game yesterday they, when they scored exactly. with 42 seconds left. So even if I thought there was room to criticize John Harbaugh for the decision, right, even if I believe that, which I don't, I don't believe there's really room to criticize him for the decision, but even if I believe that, it would be mitigated by the fact that they were losing the game. Once they once there were 42 seconds left and they scored, they were losing that football game. Well, and, and that was honestly the, the main point that I actually have in my notes here is that if you get the extra point, you at least have a sliver of hope. Uh, just a yeah, sliver and, of hope and, that you can go to overtime. If you miss the two-point conversion, there's no hope. I, I'm with you. My, my, my father-in-law kept saying, stop the clock. I'm like, don't stop the no, clock. Oh, my God. Because you don't want Rodgers getting in, the ball back In fact, back I think time. two plays before that, they, I, I thought they were in way too much of a hurry up just because they yeah. got to the line so quickly. I'm like, what are, what are you doing? Now they still ran a few seconds. I'm like, what are you doing? Slow the F down. Yeah. Um. So – all of this conversation is goofy to me. The only area where I think it's fair to criticize John Harbaugh is the one that we talked about earlier. It's not going for the two-point conversion when you were down 14. Mm-hmm. That's the scenario where everything that you've lined up about what you do, and especially in consideration of what you did a week ago, you go for two then because the concept is buying yourself an extra opportunity. It's the same conversation. You don't want the game to have to come down to one play at the end. Mm-hmm. You don't want this all to come down to whether or not you converted two. So you get a second, you get another chance at it. You're giving yourself if if you go for two and down, you're down 14. You give yourself the opportunity to convert it, and then if you convert it, then you just need an extra point to win the game. Right. But if you don't, you get a second shot at it. You're creating another path to victory by going and and then you say, okay, now we have to play for overtime. We don't have a choice. Anything along those lines. If you were going to go for two at the end of the game. You should have been going for two there. Right. That's, and especially in context of what you did a week ago. That, I think, is not just, it's not just something you can criticize John Harbaugh for. I think it's insane. I think it's insane that they didn't go for two. Now, I wasn't thinking about that in the moment, in part, because I just didn't think they were getting the ball back when they got the ball back. I was Mm -hmm. stunned by the Packers just turning and handing the ball off. And so I wasn't like flipping out about it in that moment and being like, what are they doing? Because I just wasn't thinking about it on the whole. Um, but in hindsight, inexcusable, flatly inexcusable. They didn't go for two then. But that's the only thing that I would criticize John Harbaugh for. As far as the play is concerned, I've said a million times, I don't love it. I don't love it. The idea, and somebody else brought this up earlier, the idea that you're simply dropping back and you can get the same thing there, you can say the offensive line held up better yesterday than, than we expected them to. I get why that's been a difficult thing. It's been a difficult thing for the Ravens to call plays like that because the offensive line has not held up this mm-hmm. season. So it's been tough to assume that. So you've had to call plays almost assuming a breakdown from your offensive line, right? And especially yeah. in these short yardage situations. And I get that. I think, though, they. I don't, but I, trust me, I don't love the role. I don't love the design rollout play. I don't love it. Mm-hmm. Well, you did have a wide receiver wide open in the end zone, and any quarterback should be able to see that and make that throw. So it's tough. I've 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 evolved on that too, where I'm not even really critical of the play call any longer. I'm I'm really as much it, as it worked I, if he if he sees Brown. Correct. As much as I don't love it, I don't love the rollout. I don't. It did work. Like they had a wide open receiver in the end zone, 
and a reasonable it's not a wider open receiver on the opposite side of the end zone where you got to throw like that that doesn't count this mm-hmm. is almost parallel it's you know uh, nobody's going to see this i'm trying to do this for the camera you're 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 going this way right and you're about here he's about there that's not a difficult throw to make yes it's a little across your body a little but it's very much in the periphery of your vision. It's not so, again. It's one thing. It's of over here. You're zoomed in over here. It's something that you should be able to see in your periphery that that white receiver is open. That I I can't I can't absolve that. I can't and, absolve it. And even if he makes it, they're gonna lose the game anyway. Forty two seconds and a, and a timeout yep, for Aaron Rodgers. They're gonna lose the game anyway. Gonna lose anyway. No question. All right, uh, I've gotten your slaps. We'll get those up at glennclarkradio.com here momentarily. Slaps are brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. We'll come back in and we'll wrap things up. Tidbit tubular to close down the show. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. Cold weather has arrived, and that means one thing, higher energy bills. But the good news is that Window Nation is here to help. For a limited time, get 50% off all style windows, bays, bows, double hung, and sliders, plus a house of windows for only $99 a month. Rising natural gas prices are affecting everyone, but new Window Nation windows can help. Get 50% off any style window and a house of windows for only only $99 a month. Call Window Nation today at 866-90NATION or go online at windownation.com. That's December only. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com I love driving my tractor trailer, and just like you, I just want to make it to my destination safely. If you drive too closely to my truck, I can't see you, and you can't see what's in front of me. If I have to brake suddenly, our lives can be changed forever. If a truck stops quickly, can you? Don't tailgate trucks. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 
including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You've got questions. They've got answers. Sure. I mean, we'll go with that. It's Glenn and Paul on Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we wind down for a Monday edition of the program. Today's show is also brought to you by Live Casino Hotel. Man, it's such a great place. God, I can't tell you how much fun I had being down there in the FanDuel Sportsbook, making bets, enjoying a cucumber soda water and some uh, Thai chili wings. Man, ah, it's such a cool place. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. I'm going to be going there more frequently. We're going to try to arrange some events for 2022 down at Live Casino and Hotel. It's I'm so excited about it. Such a great place. Such a cool atmosphere. So glad that we're able to do that now in our backyard. Tidbit brought to you today by, uh, how about your Baltimore area Chick-fil-A restaurants? If you're looking for a simple holiday meal, try Chick-fil-A catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. All right, tidbit today uh, from ESPN Stats and Info. The Lions entered the day with a record of 1-11-1 this season, while the Cardinals entered 10-3. Detroit is just the third team in the Super Bowl era to enter a game with fewer than two wins and beat a 10-win team. ESPN did not provide who the other teams were, which was a pain okay. in my butt. Right. Um, so who are the other two teams? I'll give you one hint because this is hard. Um, I was going to say, this is, could be anybody. Um, it's happened is there a time frame for this? Since the merger in 1970. The Super Bowl merger, the Super Bowl era, or whatever. Um, or, so, the, the, it it's happened it, it since... It means it doesn't involve the Akron Racers or whatever that... Right. <laughs> like, I mean, that's basically all it's telling me. Well, but I will tell you that it's happened since 2011. So, I'm, i got to guess the bad team and the good team. Yeah. The bad... Well, you so, can just guess the bad team if you want. If that well, makes I, I mean, hang on. I'm going to start by trying to guess who the bad team was, and then we'll try to get to the who the good, good team might have been. So I'm going to guess the bad team was the Jaguars. No. I'm going to guess the bad team was the uh, Washington football fellers. No. The bad team was the Bears. No. The Browns. The Browns were involved, but they were the good team. So the Browns were the good team. Mm-hmm. The bad team was the Bengals. No. The bad team was the... The bad team was the, the Lions again. No. The Jets. The Jets. I don't remember this at all. This was just last season. Okay, I believe you. I just the, don't... the in 2020, the one in 13 Jets on December 27th beat the Browns, who were 10 and four right. at the time. I have no. Re- I mean, I mean, why would I? The why Browns would I be were, were, were ravaged by COVID at at that particular right. point. And actually, it was it was in the process of the Jets winning somehow two games in a row against wasn't it the Rams and the Browns last no, year? Might, you might maybe maybe I vaguely remember. I don't know. Maybe I vaguely have some rem- memories of that. I don't know. Uh, here's a note that I did see from Jamison Hensley today. The Ravens are the first team in 19 years to lose three straight games, all by two points or fewer. The last team to do so, the 2002 Jaguars, the last team. They're also the only team in NFL history to lose three games by combined four points. Three, I believe Three that. games in a row by uh, combined four uh, points. Uh, do you want to take a guess at the other at the other game? Oh, this one goes back a little bit further? Uh, 2011. Oh, it was in 2011. Yes. Okay. Uh, and it didn't involve any of the teams that I've named so far? No, sir. The Cardinals. 
I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give you one more hint. No, 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 no. No, there's only 32 teams. You know what I mean? Like we can get okay. there. Okay, okay. The, the Cardinals. No. The Raiders. No. The Broncos. No. The Texans. Texans were the good team. The good team was the Texans. The bad team was the Colts. The Colts. The Colts were one in thirteen when they defeated the Texans. This was the year that, that um, Peyton Manning was yeah, out with a neck surgery. Exactly right. All right, very good, very good. Tubular brought to you by Window Nation. It's getting cold again. That means energy bills are going back up. It's the reality of the way things work. Window Nation is here to help. Fifty percent off all style windows and a house of windows for only ninety nine dollars a month. Call them today eight six six ninety Nation or visit windownation.com. Here's what's happening, and again, everything is TBD because, you know, COVID. It's what it is. In fact, some of these games I'm about to tell you might have already been canceled. I checked it. I will check on it the night before. And if things have changed since then, that's on you guys to figure out. I'm not messing with it. NFL Network for Raiders-Browns today at 5 o'clock. Then ESPN has Vikings-Bears at 8.15. They also have the Myrtle Beach Bowl today. You never miss that. Old Dominion and Tulsa throw out all the records when they get together. That's at 2.30 on ESPN. By the way, you said it's uh, they're definitely not getting any of their quarterbacks. But it's Nick Mullins. It's Nick Mullins. The roster had to be set by today. All right, very good. Uh, uh, the college hoops, that's where it's been really ravaged. Uh, UMES is in action there at Charlotte at 7 o'clock. CUSA.TV, anything else, GlennClarkRadio.com. Sixers Celtics, 7.30 on NBA TV. USA Canada uh, women's hockey, so they're getting ready for the Olympics at 8 o'clock on NBCSN, an exhibition. I guess it's looking more and more like the NHL players might not be going to the Olympics now because of the, the recent COVID outbreak. That They'll use that as sort of the excuse to say, you guys aren't going. They've had a lot of teams have had to pause their seasons in the NHL specifically. I think in Canada they're getting a little bit tighter on restrictions for people going into games and they could shut down travel. Like it's it could become really problematic for the NHL. Um it's problematic for the world. Let's make that very clear. I'm not trying to trivialize that. But it it looks more and more like the NHL will use this as an excuse to say players aren't going to the Olympics because right. You know, they got enough problems right now. And the USA Network tonight for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Oh, man, there's like nothing. They, 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 it's the holiday season. So you know what you should do for the rest of the week? Shows. There's a website we can go search what like the holiday specials are. Okay. Go search for that for the rest of the week for Tubular. Yeah, that's basically all that I saw last night was was the holiday specials. So like on Fox Night, the secrets of Christmas revealed at 8 o'clock. God. Um and then, like, on the History Channel, you have Ancient Aliens Declassified, Cold-Blooded Alaska on ID. Okay, but what I'm saying is normally I, 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 know, I, know normally I wouldn't include you. Like, I, I know on Christmas Eve, NBC runs It's a Wonderful Life. And, like, mm-hmm. typically I would say you, you don't put that on Tubular because it's a movie. Anybody could watch it anytime. But it's Christmas week. Right. Like, if they're showing Elf on USA tonight, throw that on there. You okay. know what I mean? Well, they're not because they got wrestling tonight on USA. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll take it's look. Christmas yeah, week, right? Like, most of the shows are off. Throw on any sort of fun Christmassy things. What I what I will say, and this has been on Netflix for a couple of months now, mm-hmm. but I just finished True Story with Kevin Hart, and he plays a comedian. Uh, Wesley Snipes plays his brother. Okay. Kevin Hart plays this world famous comedian, like he he is. He okay. gets like twenty million dollars a movie, but it's not funny. It is dark. It is dark. It's a drama. It's a thriller. It is it's interesting. It is very it's good. Interesting. I, okay. I just finished it last night. It is dark and it is All very. Right. Good. I gotta watch Jeremy's. I gotta watch MacGruber. I got to get on that, and I haven't even do- I have not even touched this season of Succession, so that's on my list. But I will add that to my list of yeah, things. It's, that it's I very good. All right, very good. 
Thanks to uh, thanks today to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks also to Chuck Pagano. And thanks as well to uh, Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow, uh, Stacey Dales from NFL Network will join us. She was at the game this weekend. Also, Patrick Stevens will join us. And uh, Jordan Mosley, Maryland football. They're getting ready for the Pinstripe Bowl. We will check in with him as well. Of course, stuff and things as always. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, ExxonMobil, KNS Automotive, the Maryland Lottery, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino Hotel, Baltimore Area Chick-fil-A Restaurants, the Maryland Department of Transportation, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage and Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and my bookie. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Go nobody in particular. Wait, go whoever's playing against the Brent. Like the Raiders the could Raiders. end up, in, but they could end up in the mix too for a playoff spot. I think I'll still say go Raiders, but it's I don't divi- feel strongly about it. Yeah, you don't want to have all three of the other teams win in your division. Yeah, yeah. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. <laughs>